Welcome to Nerd Capsule, where we safeguard the things we cherish for the future geek generation. Please welcome your host, Andreas Splash Kiriakou and his very special guest. Welcome to the Nerd Capsule, the podcast where we're creating the planet's first time capsule, wholly dedicated to relics from nerd culture history. I'm your host, filmmaker Andreas Splash Kiriakou, and together with my wonderful guests, we'll handpick in each episode two recommendations in five categories to include from a single year and hopefully safeguard for future nerds to devour. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV and co-produced with Gigodobo's collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. And I'm very happy to introduce uh, in this episode, which deals with the year 1983, the year that I was born. So it's my birthday year. Uh, with a colleague filmmaker, Christina. How are you doing, Christina? I'm good. How are you? Christina Trifonos is a Cypriot-based uh, director uh, who also uh, uh, sometimes works in the UK <laughs> as well, uh, especially Leeds, right? Yeah, Where she started. Yeah. Uh, Christina, can you tell us a few words before we get into the nitty-gritty about uh, you and your background and what do you do? Um, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, so I um, I work in film. I direct, but uh, I also do. I work as a first AD as well. I studied in Scotland, which is uh, my favorite place on earth, and I wish to return back to it as soon as possible. And I have made uh, often fleeing attempts towards um, Scotland <laughs> through the years after I graduated. But I guess after Brexit, uh, uh, yeah. has that changed at all? Or think, are you still I mean, planning to go back someday? I'm um, not going to lie. I'm hoping for a referendum, a successful one this time. But yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I work in the film industry and uh, I love and hate every part of it. I think as everybody does. Um, and uh, I love nerdy things. So I'm really happy to be here. Uh, we're also happy to have you, Christina, who is a long-term uh, collaborator on many projects, I have to say. I had the honor of having you as a first lady on, on, on a, more than a couple of projects, actually, on both theatre and on set. And I'm really happy to see you flourishing uh, as an artist. Uh, recently, you've done, you also do corporate um, uh, yeah. videos, uh, as many of us do, <laughs> for bread and batter. For survival. Uh, and, and I'm happy to see that uh, you have a special eye. And I hope uh, your future is is uh, bright and shiny. Why, thank you. Uh, so, uh, let's get into the year, 1983. Let's. Uh, so, a few, a few words about 1983. Uh, <laughs> 1983 was a common year, starting on Saturday, of the Gregorian calendar. The 1983rd year of the common era, CEE, and Ando Domini AD designation the 983rd year of the second millennium, the, 20, the 83rd year of the 20th century, and the fourth year of the 1980s uh, decade. Um, so, uh, just off the tip of my head, uh, the year 1983 saw both uh, the contested beginning of the internet and the first mobile cellular telephone call. Uh, so, yeah, blame the 1983s for a mobile phone. Votes, I guess. Uh, and uh, please feel free to stop me anytime you want to discuss anything. Yeah. Okay. Before you give me your picks yes. for the certain uh, categories. But uh, before we do that, let's get a better idea of what happened in 1980, just to set up the mood yeah. uh, of what's going on around the world. 
So the migration of the uh, ARPANET, AR, the ARPANET, to DCP slash IP is officially completed. This is considered to be the beginning of the true internet. And, and as you will see down the line, uh, there's a couple of references that in the pop culture world, you know, internet is starting to be at least vaguely a thing. Vaguely a thing. Okay. Uh, that happened on January 1st. So on the first a very first specific launch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, launch. guys, we're going to start now. <laughs> this is the future. <laughs> this, is, this is the future. We have Welcome. entered the future. Of course, it's just text-based for the time being, <laughs> but this is the future. Someday you'll be able to consume things and, you know, never get out of your house. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, most good things sort of started text-based, didn't they? Video games started text-based. I love text-based video true, games. True, true, true. On January 19th, high-ranking Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie, what a surname, <laughs> is arrested in Bolivia. So, uh, the, the, the search and, uh, let's say, the seek and destroy operations of Nazi criminals was a thing throughout the 70s and 80s. You know, they were in older ages, I guess, but, you know, they kind of tracked them down at the end, most of them. There was a film, wasn't there? Yes, there is a, the, there's a um, 70s film, uh, which actually I love. What's the title? Um, oh, my God. It, it, it's about an operation where they're trying to find... Uh, kids that are supposedly clones of Hitler. Is that the one you remember? No, you remember? that's not the one I'm thinking of. There was there was one where um, a family or something was traveling and there was like a Barbie museum and the kid was excited to go to a Barbie oh, museum. Really? They thought it was like the Barbie dolls and it turned out it was about Barbie the, the, the Nazi, which was such a weird, it was such a strange bit of a film and I don't remember. Was it in, 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 in Rat Race? I don't even know if I've yeah, seen there's Rad a Race. Yeah, there's that, a scene in Rad Race uh, where they visit the Barbie Museum. It, it might be if there's yeah. a kid if there's a kid that gets really excited and then realizes that this Barbie Museum is not about <laughs> yeah, Barbie that, dolls. That's the one. Then, yeah, Rad Race. Yeah, well, there <laughs> it's you go. a great film. <laughs> I don't even remember Rad Race, but clearly that's Pro- why I don't remember probably, the film. Yeah, probably, probably. I think that's the only thing that stayed with me. Probably. <laughs> so January twenty sixth, uh, Lotus one two three is released uh, for IBM PC compatible computers. Do you know what the Lotus is? Or do you have? I do you remember? No. One of the first um, um, uh, word processors. Oh, so let's say it's it's, um, it's the granddaddy to word. To, to word, yeah. I I read about that when I was doing my research, actually. Uh, and it's kind of launched this whole spreadsheet thing on 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 PC. So Excel, I guess, also. Uh, Oh, in front of <laughs> Lotus <laughs> 1, 2, 3. On January 31st, um, uh, seatbelt used for drivers and front seat passengers becomes mandatory in the United Kingdom. All right. So, yeah, that, so. that happened in the 80s, 1983. Uh, here in Cyprus, where we're recording this podcast, it, it happened sometime in the 90s. I, 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 kind of rem- I kind of remember, not the exact date, but I remember becoming a thing and a lot of friends of my dad's and other older people would, you know, kind of complain that. Yeah. I, need to wear I, I think I kind of remember that change as well, where they kind of went, mm. oh, why do we need to? Yeah. Which, which sounds so it's ridiculous to us. Does that, to, yeah. does that rem- uh, remind you anything? Yeah. Uh, something more uh, current. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really, really does. Anti-vaxxers. You can't force me to do this. You can't force me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we can force you <laughs> for the common good. On February 2nd, uh, Giovanni, let me spell this wrong, <laughs> Vigliotto, 
excuse my Italian, goes on trial on charges of polygamy involving 105 women. Damn, that's yeah. quite- This guy Giovanni was like a, a professional um, uh, con man. Yeah, but 105, <laughs> how do you lie to 105? Well, you he, he had a plan. So his plan was, um, uh, obviously he would court women, get their interest, do a quick marriage, you know, come up with some excuse or I'm dying or this or that. Uh, and uh, when all was, uh, when they were legally married, they would he would steal their houses from them and sell them uh, back into the market okay. and then he would disappear basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then he wow. would ask for divorce and he uh, did this 105 times. 105 times, that's, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> that, that's a lot of commitment. And, 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 you know, 1993, it's a pretty dark year. There's some pretty awesome things happening this year, but there's also pre some pretty horrible things like um, uh, the Nelly massacre where over 2,000 people, uh, mostly Bangladeshi Muslims, are massacred in Assam, India during the Assam uh, agitation. Uh, yeah. So, and this is it's actually a couple of massacres Ooh. in this year. I'm not going to focus on that because it's not the kind of show. No, but, but yeah, it, it kind of, yeah, mention, it, yeah. yeah, it, 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 it it made an impression to me. March 8th, IBM releases the IBM PCXT. Uh, and uh, Chuck Hell invents the first 3D printer. I did not realize that was that far back. Yeah, it was. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it as well when I was looking at um, over 1983, and that was really impressive. Well, me. it is, isn't it? I yeah. was impressed as well. They were probably chunky, huge things that costed a few million <laughs> compared to it, it still was out there, though. If you think that, like, if it came out in 1983, like the first one, and then it was, what, 2015 when it, no, 2010 maybe, when they became sort of available to people more often and, and for casual use rather than this yeah, big that, thing. That happened in the last five years, more or yeah. less. Five, maybe ten if you were in the States or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, 3D printers. It's an 80s thing, obviously. <laughs> On March uh, 16th, the last wooden radi radio tower in Germany is demolished. Uh, on wooden March, radio tower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, in the early days of radio, you know, uh, uh, wooden materials were considered better for, for transmission. Right, okay. That's why they were created, you know, they were, that's why you had wooden radios, wooden transmitters, uh, etc. March 23, uh, the U.S. President Ronald Reagan makes his initial proposal to develop technology to intercept enemy missiles. The media adopt this plan, Star Wars. Right. So uh, sometimes if you're listening to some political analysts, they will name drops the Star Wars um, uh, plan, and this is what they're referring to, not the movies, not the George Lucas movies. Yeah. <laughs> on April 4th, the Space Shuttle Challenger is, is launched on its maiden voyage. On April 25, um, in Manchester, Maine, uh, U.S. Uh, schoolgirl Samantha Smith is invited to visit the Soviet Union by its leader, uh, Yuri Andropov, uh, after he read, he read her letter in which she expressed tears about a potential nuclear war. Uh, this is you know, probably the Soviet Union is trying to show some face that we care about nuclear yeah, war. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah. Uh, in May 6th, uh, Stern Magazine publishes the Hitler Diaries, which are later found to be forgeries. 
Of course. Probably of course. Hitler probably didn't know how to write. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure he did, but I'm sure he didn't leave diaries like, you know, yeah. when he was about to end his life kind of thing. I'm sure he didn't just sit there and go, oh, there's a pile of my diaries. I think I'll yeah. leave them so people know what I was thinking. He doesn't seem like that sort of a guy. I think no. he only wrote one thing in his life and that was Mein Kampf. Yeah. <laughs> Mein Kampf, the only thing yeah. He, and there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't say rumors. There's actually pretty... In, sort of fact about this that it was you know he, he had ghostwriters I mean yeah. of course he did who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> who, like who, who, modern which politician other than Obama you know yeah. writes their own books <laughs> yeah exactly and I'm sure Obama had a couple of yeah, ghostwriters yeah, yeah, as well course, but they're yeah. not writers Let's they just tell a story yeah editors yeah, yeah there you go story editors yeah. on May 17th Lebanon and Israel in the United States uh, signed an agreement uh, on Israeli withdrawal from Lebanon If you, if you remember from our previous episodes uh, for returning listeners, that was a big thing in 1982, I mean, the Lebanon-Israeli war. Yeah. Uh, June 13th, Pioneer 10, Pioneer 10 passes the orbit of Neptune, becoming the first man-made object to leave the vicinity of the major planets of the solar system. That is actually one of the things I knew. Um, what are your thoughts on the Pioneer 10? I mean, I think every single one of these achievements was important. Um, I do think that people were a lot more into this in the 80s and people were watching a lot more closely. And I think um, we are achieving a lot more now and people aren't paying attention. They're not, no. They're really not. There's there's amazing things happening in terms of like sp space exploration and people are not paying attention. But back then, people were glued to their seats. Y yeah, the, the space race was not that major. It kind of drifted out or faded out in the late 70s. But People were still following what was happening they, they in space. They were following. They were they mostly were, because of the Cold War. People were afraid yeah. that people are going to put missiles up there, or they're going to put nuclear war, uh, nuclear stations on the moon, and you know. It's <laughs> it, it's that thing where something new happens, and everyone's scared that this new thing is going to be used to destroy things because that's <laughs> yeah. that's what's been happening. That's human nature. That's, isn't it? that's human nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, nowadays you're right. I mean, we only follow space news if it has the you know Elon Musk's uh, name attached to it. SpaceX or uh, the Amazon guy or something like that. And it's a shame. It is a shame because I, yeah, I, I think the, it's, the it's planet is pretty fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Not, let's be honest, we're not going to save it anytime soon. So we might as well start looking up other places fucking up. <laughs> Excuse my I, language. I think, I think if people kind of paid a bit more attention, they'd realize that um, in order for us to achieve being able to live on another planet, it's going to take a lot and it's not going to take all of us up yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. we may want to start taking care of this one by true, the, until true, we manage that one. Yeah, 100%. On August, uh, August 30th, uh, Guion Blafford becomes the first African-American in space aboard the Space Shuttle Challenger on the STS-8 mission. So that's another first for NASA. Yeah. September 1st, uh, Korean Airlines Flight 007 <laughs> wow, is shot down by Soviet Union Air Force uh, uh, SU-15 flag and pilot Major Gennady Osipovich near uh, the Moneron Island when the commercial aircraft enters Soviet airspace. All 269 on board are killed, including U.S. Congressman Larry McDonald. Right. That's that's a piece of news that kind of feels current, doesn't it? You remember what happened in um, uh, Ukraine? Uh, not yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine? No, not Belarus. Ukraine. Belarus, yeah. Yeah, where they forced, uh, landed a plane, uh, and, you know, that could have went very wrong, really. Easily. Yeah. Uh, on September 16th, President Ronald Reagan announces that the uh, global positioning system, also known today as GPS, would be made available for civilian use. There you go. 
Yeah, um, I guess it that wasn't you know pre-installed on their rotary phones, but no, yeah, it became no. available. You know, uh, and September 26, Soviet nuclear false alarm incident that kind of shook the world. So the Soviet military officer Stanislav Petrov averts a worldwide nuclear war by correctly identifying a warning of of attack by U.S. missiles as a false alarm as the emergency broadcast system goes off for multiple off for um, multiple television and radio stations in the United. Uh, states. So yeah, I mean, uh, Mr. Uh, Petrov must be considered a hero, right? I mean, he should be, yeah. He, um, I, I'm sure he had like dozens of people, you know, around him telling him, you push the button, push the button, you know, they're attacking us and he kind of, you know, pulled it off and said, no, this yeah. doesn't look right. You know, let's save the world. Let's not be hasty. Let's not destroy the world just so, yet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mr. Petrov. Uh, a couple of more news before we get into the nitty gritty. October 22nd, in Bonn, West Germany, people demonstrate for nuclear uh, disarmament. disarmament. On November 15th, the Turkish part of Cyprus declares in Tibet. And this is a code I copy pasted from Wikipedia. Now, we are right. in Cyprus, recording yeah. this. We are Cypriots, obviously. Uh, so, this is a bit of important news to us. As some of you may know, uh, Cyprus is divided in, in two because of a 1974 coup and then an invasion by the Turkish army. And since then, the country is divided in, into two parts, more or less. Uh, on one part is uh, the uh, it's the Greek Cypriots. On the other side is the Turkish Cypriots. The Greek Cypriot side uh, is officially... You know, this the Cyprus country diplomatically anyway and it's an it, official country recognized. Yeah, by worldwide. it's in the EU nowadays. Yeah. And the north, unfortunately, uh, which is uh, mostly um Turkish Cypriots, uh didn't have that um that opportunity for many reasons. We're not gonna analyze them on this show. Hopefully someday we'll be one country again, but with our um with our Quote unquote politicians, I don't know. <laughs> We're going there on both sides. And one piece, last piece of information about this year um, Pope John Paul II um, visits the, uh, a prison to forgive his would be assassin, Mehmed Ali Aksha. I don't know if you know this story. I think it was made into a movie. Well. I um I think another story. I didn't know there was forgiveness part of it. Um, yeah, it was quite a big did, thing did that he, he forgi- forgave. Yeah, but him. the thing is, did he forgive him like as as a godly person? I forgive you, but you're still going to rot in prison, or or is it <laughs> I forgive you and you may now exit this prison because I'm not going to press charges? I and- don't think he ever exited. <laughs> I, I mean, in that kind of way, I'm pretty sure loads of people could forgive their murderers. There, there would be assassins, I think. It's like, yes, if someone tried to kill me and they're now resting in prison because I've got massive security, I can go in and say, I forgive you, and you will now rot for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'm curious, is this guy still alive? Uh, he's still alive. He's 63 years old. I guess he's still in prison. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. On 27th of December 2014, 33 years after his crime, Aksha publicly arrived at the Vatican to lay... Uh, white roses on the recently canonized John Paul II's tomb and said he wanted to meet Pope Francis, a request that was denied, <laughs> obviously. So. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> when did he go out of prison, though? Uh, he was released on the 18th of January, 2010. So he, he, did, con- he converted to so, Roman Catholicism. I'm sorry, he did what for 29 years yeah. then? He became so, a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, he became a Catholic, but... 
basically it's what I said. Like the, the Pope went in and went, I forgive you. Looked very large to all his yeah. very religious people talking about forgiveness. And very then small letters. Away. You have to convert yeah. to Catholicism as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you mentioned it, but the small letters, I think in that is like a um, massive headline, like Pope um, uh, forgives uh, would-be assassin. <laughs> yeah, it was all over the And news. then there's like yeah. a, a fine fine lettering at the bottom. It's like, this changes nothing. He will still remain <laughs> in prison for most of his life. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, no future popes will need you, sir. <laughs> they will risk it. <laughs> I think that would have been that would have been very interesting. It's like I would like to meet the new pope. I've done my thing. I've converted to Catholicism. Let 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 they let him cure meet the new pope and cure assassination. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like um, I've done it. Thirty uh, four years later. It was a long term plan. <laughs> yeah, it was a very long term plan. Didn't matter which pope. It just had to be a pope. It worked. Oh my god. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't risk that. So, uh, what's happening in the world of music in the year 1983? So, here, here's the... So many things. Yeah, here's the Billboard uh, Hot 10 singles of 1983. Go in, on. in number 10, Sweet Dreams Are Made Of This, Eurythmics. Yeah. Amazing, great song. Uh, Maniac by Michael Sabello. Baby Come To Me by Paddy uh, Austin and James Ingram. I don't know who these people are. Man Eater by Helen Oates. Probably you know that song. Total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler. Of course. <laughs> Karaoke favorite for many people. <laughs> Beat It by not so popular nowadays, Michael Jackson. It's 50-50 really, isn't it? Yeah, it's popularity. Yeah. People, some people, yay, some people, no. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm in the middle. I mean, I think I, I am too, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can appreciate, you know, his great artistic output. I'm very cautious of what he did with little kids. As a father myself, I, you know, that HBO documentary, I could barely watch the first part. You know, it was, that's a horror movie. It doesn't mean he's, he's um, uh, uh, that's proof of a crime because it's just hearsay, to be honest, but it's still pretty scary stuff. I, that, that's the thing, because it's, it's hearsay, you can't really like, I, but on the other hand, I would rather err on the side of, of wrong. Yeah. Rather than yeah, um, yeah true just, yeah. I mean, who, who the hell lets is its underage kids stay with a pop star in the not in the eighties you know late eighties early nineties for a week? I I know, um, but I think that's that's the worrying part. Is like oh, someone's famous and they seem nice, so they can't seem be nice. They, they seem like I think in the eighties was like oh, if someone's famous, they're all right, um, and then obviously they're not. I, I think that's such oh, a weird, man. weird thing. I don't thing. even it's let like, my my nine year old go to the kiosk by himself across the street. No, you know. But we know oh, better damn. now. I mean, <laughs> we know, I mean, literally, we know it's better now. Because like it? when I was seven years old, I'd go to the kiosk to buy my mom cigarettes. True, true. I did and and they, well. they'd sell me cigarettes. Like I was seven. <laughs> yeah, but it was yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I did that as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at number four, Down Under uh, by Men at Work. Uh, number three. Flashdance, what a feeling by uh, Irene uh, Cara. Uh, number f- uh, number two, <laughs> MJ again, Billie Jean. <laughs> of course. And uh, number one, every breath you take, uh, the police. Uh, and who hasn't slow danced to every breath you take? Which the lyrics are kind of uh, creepy. Creepy, very yeah. creepy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's about a stalker, basically. Um, yeah, that, that was the but thing. But they played at weddings. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was a long conversation, <laughs> wasn't song, it? Though, about, yeah. about the fact that it's like, it's about a stalker and it's <laughs> yeah. really creepy, but everyone thinks it's an amazing love song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the genius. Think, you know, you know, just, come on, guys. I mean, you totally misunderstood the song, but I'm gonna 
you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's selling. I'll sell it. Yeah, it's fine. Why it's not? a love song. Whatever you want. Great tune. Uh, so uh, let's open the time capsule after okay. this long uh, intro of the year 1983. You have a good grasp now, grasp of what's going on on the planet. Uh, the year that I was born. <laughs> I thought it, you know, uh, it wasn't a great year in politics, as you have seen, or, you know, world affairs, but I, I promise you in pop culture, there's some pretty interesting stuff. So, um, um, you say that about politics, but Americans were really happy to have uh, Ronald Reagan on, course, on yeah. after Re- Jimmy Re- Carter, you know, they were really happy. And Jimmy Carter nowadays is considered probably one of the best presidents. Yeah, but he was, was too soft for them at the time. They wanted yeah. the cowboy. Yeah. Um, that was yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a war on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> Ronald exactly. Reagan. Yeah, let capitalism rule the planet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, please do uh, do the honors and open the uh, nerd capsule for us. Cue sound effect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the first category is miscellaneous, and basically this is a free for all. You can put anything you you want in this section. It can be anything from the above or anything that we didn't mention that is not a TV show. Yeah. That is not a movie, uh, a video game or a book. Or not a, or not a, a video book. game. That's a different, that's a different oh, section. Oh, I thought, I thought video games were in the miscellaneous. No, thing. no, no. It's a category on its own. So feel free to put whatever you want. Well, that's a bit confusing. I thought my miscellaneous <laughs> was going to be my video game. It could I, be, I, I read could the be even a human wrong. being. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. I had a. I, I told my sister I was doing this, and she said I should put her in the time capsule Ooh. because she was born in 1983. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can. I, I guess I could, although I think that's a bit evil. Um, <laughs> well, we can put a, like a DNA sample of her. It doesn't need to be actually her. Yeah. <laughs> You want to put? So you want to? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I want to. Um, it could also be a song from the above because it's, um, music is not a category by itself. So a lot of people. Oh, choose. it's not. Music is not a category. No, no, no you can, Well, see, I read the instructions wrong. So I was. I did a lot of research on music, and I was really impressed with 1983 because apart from the top ten that you've got there, there's so many uh, amazing. So it's it's up to you, sister, or a piece of uh, music. I'm gonna go for music. Okay. I'm gonna go for music. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Um, but music was impressive. It was uh, yeah, Pink true. Floyd and The Doors and, and all sorts of um, really known things. And like, obviously, ev- everything that you just mentioned. Um, but the truth is, truth is, when I was looking into it, um, when I saw that Total Eclipse of the Heart was there, I thought, well, people need to know, what are they going to sing karaoke to? With, like, if we don't provide true. the perfect karaoke song for them, true. what are they going to sing karaoke to? So I would like to put um, Total Eclipse of the Heart um, but I would like to put in two versions. I would like to put the original and then the karaoke version so they get the point of what they're meant to be doing with it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a good spin on it. So um, Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler goes into the Nerd Capsule. Both karaoke, Bo- both karaoke and single version. I, I just think <laughs> that if the world's been destroyed and people are going to um, open these time capsules mm-hmm. and, and find out things um, about our time, they need to understand that that is part of what people were about. doesn't matter where you're from, what country you're from. If you go to a karaoke bar, that song will be sung at some point during the night. Excellent. Uh, I think your reasoning is pretty reasonable. So, uh, and, and I'll make you sing the karaoke version someday. Oh, my. Uh, and upload it in our spot. <laughs> or any of our other platforms. Uh, for me, yeah, this was difficult as well because in this... The same way you said you want to put your sister in the nerd capsule, I could have put myself, but that's that's kind of um, <laughs> an evil decision for future generations. They have nothing to 
gain from me. <laughs> so uh, I mean, you could do it entirely for selfish reasons because yeah. if you put your DNA in there and they actually use it, then you get to experience again, like as as a person. If you, you believe in DNA memory and all if that. If you no, no, even if you don't have DNA memory, you're basically giving yourself the opportunity to live again in the future. Even that's, though you won't remember that's it. That's why I had kids. So they kind of hate me and, you know, have a part of me in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, depends on when the capsules will be open, though. <laughs> your, your very, very far away ancestors might actually be mm. fascinated. Like mm-hmm. your great, 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 great grandkids um, who came down back from space to, to observe Earth will, will open a time capsule and find their long forgotten ancestor. I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to depress them. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to go with another choice. It, it's a quite a large item and it's very difficult to obtain. It's probably in another solar system uh, uh, by now. But I, I guess you're uh, you're guessing what, what, what I'm going to put in the Nerd Capsule. Can you guess? Let's test if you were following. Uh, are you about the to year. put the, um, the um, shuttle that traveled beyond? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going with the Pioneer 10. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to um, obtain it. <laughs> uh, I'm probably, you know, we're putting the, the plans to the Pioneer 10. I, yeah. I like that idea. It's the yeah. first man-made object to travel outside our little solar system. You, you, could put, you could put some info in there as well, because then you're giving them a bit of a history lesson. Like, especially if they're coming from outer space, they'll know where all of this began. Yeah, true. You know, the schematics and, and all that and the people who invented it and why, you know. Yeah, Pioneer 10, it is then. Moving on uh, to TV shows. So um, here's some TV shows that were released in 1983, premiered in 1983. The A-Team. Oh. You all know the, the legendary theme song. Uh, Inspector Gadget. I kind of see you as an Inspector Gadget fan. Um, I can imagine a tiny Christina watching Inspector Gadget. Yeah, yeah. It was part right? of my childhood, yeah. <laughs> He-Man. And the masters of the universe. Wow. <laughs> I, I really liked the toys, the action figures, but I was never too much into the TV show, to be honest. I have a very vague memory um, of my sister watching both He-Man and She-Ra. She-Ra, yeah. <clears throat> and I, She-Ra was um, better, better written. written yeah, if you ask me. but I think I was too young to sort of register. Like, I, I know the... the like. The animation. I know what it is. I know the characters, but I don't actually remember any of the plots. You're not missing anything. Yeah, <laughs> the plots were pretty repetitive. There was also a movie at some point that was really bad. Uh, Human is though returning to Netflix. Um, you're probably listening to this into the future, but probably it's already out. Kevin Smith actually produced it, so oh wow, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, Fraggle Rock was released in 1983. Rock. Uh, in the world of anime, Captain uh, Tsubasa premieres uh, in the States. Uh, it, it's an anime show about football. And I guess it's one of the shows that popularized the sports subgenre of anime. It also became a, a popular uh, video game series later on. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon premieres in 1983. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons, Christina? I, here's the thing. I've watched so much gameplay, like on YouTube and stuff. And I've, I've watched um, a couple of friends play, but I cannot find someone that will teach me to play or will let me join their team. Did you talk to Frixos, our uh, co, our gig, gig out co-host here in Black Lemon Theory? I did. I asked if they've got a newbies game um, <laughs> and he, he said he'll let me know, but he hasn't. Mm, 
Well, we'll remind him. There is, to be He's fair. a pretty good dungeon master. There is, this is a prelude to something that's coming afterwards, but there is um, a Dungeons and Dragons game that is based on um, Pratchett's Discworld. And I'm really, Ooh. I'm really more into finding someone that will lead that game. Ooh, I'm really interested uh, as well now. We have the book. Um, we bought it in Leeds, but someone needs to read it. There's a lot of rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's better to learn by playing. Yeah, but the thing is, I I think uh, because I tried reading it, and uh, because I've never actually played um, Dungeons and Dragons, even more so being a dungeon master, I don't think I could um, understand the rules well enough to lead a game. Okay, uh, I'll be interested to join that game. Excellent, like that, uh, yeah. newbie game. I, I I play I played a few times Dungeons and Dragons in my in, in my late teenage years, so I need to get back to it. Um, do you know uh, Bob Ross? Bob Ross, the painter. Yeah. Yes. So his TV show, The Joy of Painting, premiered in 1983, and it, it is, it is, uh, and it generated so many memes and gifs throughout the ages. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think it's important just, you know, uh, even for just that. But you know, uh, Bob Ross. It's actually kind of amazing how the show was popular. You know, just watching a guy painting. Uh, painting. Yeah. For for minutes and minutes, uh, but I think because his his whole energy was so yeah, was zen, so calm you know, and yeah, you know, people I guess enjoyed you know just watching him paint. I think I think people were actually trying to paint with him, which was another thing. Yeah. And because he sort of simplified things and made things quite approachable, and he was so calm and so yeah. nice, I think people just and wanted his hair. To... Oh, legendary! Hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, first goes on air in 1983. Are you an Alvin and the Chipmunks fan? I um I again I'm aware of them, but I never watched. Christina them. didn't have a television <laughs> growing up. So sorry, Christina. Christina. Christina was really restless as a child and did not spend much time Ooh, watching television. Well, I'm surprised. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you're into sports. I, 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 yeah. I, I always forget about that. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I played some basketball. That was it. Uh, Wheel of Fortune starts uh, airing in 1983. It's still on air till today. Uh, in many countries, many versions of it out there. Yeah. Uh, Webster? Do you know Webster? Yeah. Pretty fun sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played from 1983 See, to See, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good show. The Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. Oh, obviously, yeah. Charlie Brown was... Existed... Before, yeah. You know, since the 70s, but his weekly show, his first weekly show started in 1983. Before then, we had like TV movies with um, yeah. Charlie Brown and Snoopy, etc. Uh, Frontline, which is a pretty popular investigative TV um, reality show, started in 1983. Manimal. Manimal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the sort of superhero stuff we had at the time. Yeah. But just by the name, you can figure that it's a guy who turns into, yeah, into animals. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah, it got cancelled after you. <laughs> I wonder why. Ottoman. <laughs> to, to be fair, you've got to wonder at these names because we yeah. already had superheroes by that time. We yeah. had comic you books. You could do we, better, guys. You could do better. We already had Superman. We already had like big, big superheroes to name after. Manimal seems such a poor effort. Yeah, and somebody else thought of doing Ottoman at the same year, which is about... We, when I read the title, I thought it was about a year who turns it... Like who turns up into a car or yeah. something, like a transformer. But no, it's about a guy who has a special computer genius kind of a friend. They solve cases together. It's very, I haven't never watched it. It's very 
I immediately when you said Ottoman, I immediately went to a guy yeah, who turns into a car. It's from automated. It's from what? Yeah. Understood it not. Um, not great with the wordplay back then, no, were they? No. No. Uh, the Hitchhiker, um, pretty awesome show actually. Run, run from 1993 till 1991. Check it out if you have was it. Was it? Was it horror? It was sort of a uh, weekly case of the week thriller. Okay. It was very obscure. Had a nice vibe to it, you know. Yeah, that obviously, does sound like something the, I would enjoy. Yeah. yeah, the leading character was a hitch, uh, a hitchhiker who goes from city to city, and in every city, um, he either gets involved or he retells a creepy story. Uh, oh, yeah. See, weird. I would have thought, I would have thought, like the title "Hitchhiker" now tells me that it's like a series of standalones, and each time it's see, a different story about a hitchhiker. The title gives you everything. Yeah, right? the this title. Is, this yeah, is smart titling. Not like Ottoman. Yeah, or, 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 Ottoman. Or, or, or I mean, um, again, Ottoman could also be somebody that fixes cars, which would be a really boring <laughs> series. Show. Which would be either a really boring series or um, I actually know what you're giggling now. I and know, I, I, I know, yeah. I know, I know. So uh, the the show, I'm sure you, as a, as a person who, you know, studied in Scotland, you've probably seen on TV even, you know, while you were zapping away, Hackart. Did, did I pronounce that right? Taggart, yeah. Taggart. Um, you want to talk I about actually, Taggart? I actually had the pleasure of being on the set of Taggart. What? Yeah. Mind blown. Um, Mind blown cue sound effect. It was yeah. a, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Um, they sort of picked five of us from uni. I can't remember why Ooh. it was the five of us, but um, they took us to the to the set of Taggart. And it was an amazing experience because you get to see how things are done. And um, it was minus 12 degrees Ooh, midday in Glasgow. Freedom! Yeah. <laughs> uh, freezing. <laughs> and um, there was this, um, it was an amazing setup as well because it was like a guy hanging off the swings, like just, just sort of the legs. Whoa. But because it was such low temperatures, there was frost on all the surfaces and Ooh, the swing nice. of his legs just made everything just seem a bit more nice. intense. And then we got to go see the studios and w- where they had like the entire police station and the morgue and, and the interrogation rooms and everything. It was fascinating. Um, I do love the tagline for Taggart as well because um, it's there's been a murder. But because <laughs> it's Scottish, it's, there's, there's been a murder. <laughs> and it's just so many R's in there. Um, also, interestingly, and I think this is true uh, from what I remember, Taggart was the first crime series um, of this sort. The first um, Scott, it was the, the first Scottish series of the sort. For those that don't know, Taggart is a Scottish detective uh, fiction television program. I, I uh, think it was the, the sort of, um, it had its, it, I, I read this thing somewhere that it sort of was the um, intro to other shows like CSI and things like that, because it's kind of based you that mean way. the format. The uh, format of it, yeah. Uh, but I think they've changed like a few Taggarts through the years. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I mean, 83 to 2021. Um, if it's 21. the same guy, guy I'm going to be surprised. Uh, um, he died in 1994, the original. Yeah. Taggart, who, who was Mark McManus. And then he was replaced. Taggart was, I guess, uh, one of the original procedural shows like we know them uh, yeah. today. So it must have been very uh, influential. Um, and it has been going. I mean, it's still going. <laughs> It is, yeah. um, it is yeah. still going, if I'm not mistaken. It was yeah. still going when I was in uni, obviously. And um, yeah. It's Number of series. Mm, the last episode aired in 2010. Oh, there you go. Just uh, shortly after I graduated. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe it was your fault. 
Maybe it was my <laughs> fault. Um, maybe it was their fault. Maybe, 7 November may- 2010 was the last uh, airing date. M- maybe when I was coming out of uni, they should have grabbed me and I would have been able to um, give further life to Taggart. I agree. And, and agree. they wouldn't, they, they'd never know. So maybe when you go back to Scotland someday, you can revamp. Uh, uh, I, can, I can go back go um, to, to ITV. Or ITV, ITV. Did um, I'm pretty sure it was ITV. No, wait, was it? Oh. I think it must have been ITV. We were in the studios and I think it was ITV. Let me double check. It's a, it was STV Sky TV STV Studios uh, for for ITV. You were okay, right. okay, yeah. Uh, so just a few more trivia about the TV landscape of 1983. Yeah. An extended cut of Star Trek: The Motion Picture premieres on on the ABC channel. It added roughly 12 minutes uh, to the film, uh, with footage that was largely unfinished and uh, cobbled together for the network premiere. And the original director, Robert Wise, was not uh, that happy. <laughs> uh, this version was also released on VHS and on Laserdisc. Ooh. Uh, PBS broadcasts The Operation, which is the first live telecast of an actual open-heart surgery. Ooh. That was the first. Uh, February 28th, the final episode of MASH. Have you watched the movie or the TV show? I have not. You have to watch the movie. I, I am, I am aware. Yeah. Uh, so the last episode of March airs, setting the record for most watched television episodes and reaching a total audience estimate of 125 million people, which remains unsurpassed. Well, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, March was pretty popular. The TV show as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would argue that the TV show was even more popular than the movie. Than yeah, the- but to be honest, like it, it has yet been... Um, unsurpassed and if you think Even about the, it you've in, got, you've in got the years things of streaming. like in the years of streaming in the years of Game of Thrones in the yeah. years of uh, Mayor of Easttown yeah. that so, crashed HBO oh, and things yeah Mash is up there yeah. man. You know, it's, it's, it's the golden you know it's the high score you know yeah. uh, MTV broadcasts the video of Michael Jackson's song Billie Jean for the first time the video is the first by a black artist to gain great airplay on MTV and is credited with helping the album Thriller in which the song is included become the best selling album of all time we discussed this again in the last episode because the actual album came in 1982. Yeah. Video clips of it started coming out in 1983 and with my guest at the time, um, Mr. Psilidis, we did say, you know, Thriller is one of the best uh, video clips uh, ever yeah. made. You know, yeah. whatever your opinion of Michael Jackson is. It's, it's a movie in itself. Really. It is, it is. And it's been done um, because it was so good. So many people have picked it up. It's been done in other films. It's been yeah, done again and again. It's like, been satirized. It's, yeah, it's, it's been satirized. Uh, it's, been, um, it's been homaged. It's yeah, been so true, many things, true. yeah. Directed by John Landis of an American werewolf in London fame. Uh, the Disney Channel is, uh, is initi- initiated on American cable TV. Of course, today we have probably 100 Disney channels or variations of it, Disney Plus, yeah. Disney Kids, uh, and I'm, many others. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a Disney history soon. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Uh, narrated by Mickey Mouse, you know. <laughs> it's like a David Attenborough documentary about with Mickey Mouse voice. <laughs> and in the wild... <laughs> I mean, kids, kids will probably see that. Yeah, Watch, yeah. like, if you get, if you sort of super, like, if you draw yeah. Mickey Mouse on the screen telling the things, um, uh, yeah, you know, true. yeah. True. The animated G.I. Joe, a real American hero miniseries based on the toys of the same <laughs> name, debuts in syndication. This is, was before the actual series. Uh, another miniseries airs the following year with an ongoing show premiering in 1985. So I don't know if it counts. I mean, it started. It, it was the start. Yeah. Of it. yeah. So you, I can guess, you know, we can put it in the category we mentioned before about all the shows that first yeah. appeared on television. The band Kiss 
officially appears in public without their makeup for the first time. Since it's very early days uh, in an MTV appearance uh, to promote their new album. Uh, Sesame Street on PBS uh, dealt with the sensitive issue of death when Big Bird learns the concept as it relates to his late friend, Mr. Hooper, played by Willie Who, that actually died of a heart attack in November 1982. You know, yeah. Sesame Street was pretty progressive since the get-go, really. They, they it touched subjects like this. That I, I get, I, if I remember correctly, they were also the first kids show in the States to talk about LGBT uh, stuff, uh, about racism, about all this stuff. So, you know, you know, a kids show, you know, talking about death. That's a big, that's a big, a big thing. Yeah, especially, I mean, that's a, a smart way of doing it. Like, you know, just sort of grabbing your kid, sitting them down and saying, grandpa's going to die one day. You're actually yeah. showing them through the experience of a puppet and that sort of distances it, but also makes you understand. It's quite smart. Yeah, and it's one of the most difficult discussions I have with my own kids. You know, I have yeah. two kids. My daughter is eight going to nine. My son is turning 10 in a few weeks. And they open the subject by themselves. You know, when I put them to bed, you know, it happens dozens of times. You know, what happens you know, when you die, when mom dies, when you die, when grandpa dies, when we die, you know, what's next? Are we going to paradise? Are we, you know, like schools are teaching us through religious yeah. classes. And, and, I, and it's, it's a very hard subject to navigate, but I try to be honest and I always tell them, we don't know. You know, uh, religion says one thing, I hope it's true, you know. I mean, there's there's also the argument of various religions. So exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of them say this. And I think you know, I always try to explain them. Like in in Buddhists believe this, or you know, Muslims believe that, etc. But you know, and we, me and my wife, we do try to teach them to do the to be the best they can in this life because yeah, we don't know, you know, or enjoy and be the best person you can in this life. We don't know what's next, but it's a very difficult subject. I bet it is. Maybe you should find that Sesame Street episode. Yeah, uh, and that might I, actually I should, be a I good. Think, um, yeah. I think. Um, have you seen Soul, the latest Pixar movie? That came I out haven't. No, through, I haven't. It, it deals about that basically. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a Pixar, Pixar movie about death. That's a, as yeah. gruesome as it sounds, but they do it in such a subtle and such a nice way. I think my sister mentioned it because she she showed it to my niece. Oh, I think you, sh- yeah. you should watch it. I'm amazing stuff. Uh, and that did help. That did help yeah. the discussion a lot. Thank you, Pixar. Uh, so, uh, we need to put a TV show uh, in the capsule, uh, <laughs> Miss Christina. So, what, what do you have in mind? Well, when I was doing my research and Taggart popped up, I think um, <laughs> that is exactly where I went. That's a sign of, from the gods, right? Uh, I mean, you were on th- set. Th- that is a sign of the gods. Um, I was also a bit torn with Inspector Gadget because mm-hmm. I think um, I would like anyone who comes back down to us to think um, that Inspector Gadget was a documentary. <laughs> And um, wow, the technology! Well, the technology that they had in barely works, but it's amazing. Uh, I mean, it it kind of works if you know all the right words, or maybe not. Um, um, but I do think, and this is going to sound a bit morbid, but I do think that Target would be a good um, uh, thing to put in the capsule because it does deal with people killing other people. It does deal with the reality of what the human race was doing to each other, episode by episode, showing like. Um, exactly what human beings are capable of um, on various... Um, this is how we kill each other. <laughs> this, is how we, this is how we kill... This is how we react. These are um, murders of passion, murders of... or oh, other wow. crimes or whatever. Um, and I think it's sort of... The fact that it started in 1983 and it went on for 
I think, what is it, 1983, 17 plus, 27 years, means that there were um, 27 seasons worth of murders and, and other crimes and whatever that needed to be investigated. And I think that really, I know this sounds really bad, but I think it captures um, the human nature quite nicely. Because you do see both sides to start, like when you watch these shows, you do, you do see the- That's why true crime is so popular nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we, as a human race, we like to take a peek into the darkest corners of our psyche. But the thing we is- always re- 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 We always like to be, remem- to be reminded that that's the worst you can be. But that's the thing though, that um, we, like all of these things started with people actually doing them. Like, it's not like we murder started after we started making TV series. Um, you know what I mean? So all these all these things sort of um, existed in the world, and then someone sat down and went, "Right, this could be a good series. We could we could show the world what the fuck is going on." And uh, yeah, <laughs> my choice is totally the opposite. <laughs> I mean that that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, but I, I see your point, uh, and I think in one of the previous episodes we th- we had um, uh, Hill Street Blues, was it? Uh, one of one of the other cop shows yeah. going to the capsule and the reasoning were more was more or less the same, and just to have some antithesis, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Fraggle Rock. Yeah, I know I really you like, like Fraggle Rock. Uh, I love the song. <laughs> uh, I love the characters. Um, I I really you know I have vivid memories as a kid watching it on CYBC, which was is our uh, national broadcaster here, uh, and. What I mostly love about about Jim Henson's uh, Fraggle Rock is that it's so weird, you know. And I I I tend to be attracted to weird stuff. Um, obviously, you know, uh, people know Jim Henson from the Muppet Show, which is again pretty weird in, in very good ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sesame Street, we've mentioned it uh, before, but Jim Henson was him. Um, uh, embracing his weirdness to, to the fullest, I think. Yeah. Uh, with Fraggle Rock, you mean? Yeah, with yeah, Fraggle Rock. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, uh, that show was pretty high concept, even for today's standards. Yeah. Um, and it, it's nice to know that it was one of the first big children's co-productions in the TV world. So a lot of, quite a few countries involved in the making of Fraggle Rock because the initial concept that they were going to do it like a format and every country would have its own version like you have the Turkish Fraggle Rock or the Greek or the Japanese or whatever like like they did with Sesame Street yeah Sesame Street is a format that again as a kid I remember because okay I grew up in the south side of Cyprus which is quote unquote the Greek Cypriot side yeah but we were able to tune in into Turkish Cypriot channels and they had the Turkish version of uh, of Sesame Street, uh, for example. Yeah, was dubbing, pretty... basically. Which no, it wasn't dubbing. It wasn't? It, it, uh, Sesame Street was a formatted show, you know, you, you could be Oh, like, you mean they bought it and did it like, yeah, They, yeah, yeah, they yeah. bought you know, like the, the concept and yeah. the costumes and they did their own Turkish version, shot oh, in Turkey oh, with okay. a Turkish big bird and all that. Yeah. It was pretty interesting, uh, I actually. Didn't realize it was never a Greek format, version of it. I, I didn't realize format buying was that old. Yeah, yeah. Did, they were I one of the first yeah. to, to do it, you know, it was okay. like an experiment. They tried to do the same with Fraggle Rock. It didn't work, so, work, so they ended up doing it dubbing, like, like yeah. you said before. And I remember going to New York and visiting the um, um, the uh, Motion Picture Museum. And there was a big Jim Henson uh, exhibition and they had all the Fraggle Rock stuff. And it was pretty insane. And 
If I remember correctly, they're going to bring it back. Um, they did some That'd shorts. Be interesting. They, yeah, they yeah. did the Fraggle Rock Rock on Shorts, which aired on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus on April 2020, and it, they were pretty successful. And Apple ordered a reboot, basically. So we're going to get new Fraggle Rock uh, in January. 20- I think that's a very good decision. Yeah, they started shooting it in January 2021. So we're going to so see it. Fairly new. new. Yeah. So Fraggle Rock. And Taggart, please do it in, our, in your Scottish accent. I don't, I need to be drunk to do a Scottish accent. <laughs> Taggart. 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 Um, Taggart. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you want me to speak Scottish, I need um, copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> and then it just happens right. automatically. Right. I don't have to try. <laughs> so Fraggle Rock and Taggart do totally opposite kind of shows. One right. is very helpful, very... We're, we're giving them a full spectrum. And that is very realistic, very <laughs> dark. Show. So this is a full spectrum. We're giving them entertainment and um, sure. sc- scary yeah, that's things. That's the whole that's, concept yeah, of the yeah. Nerd Cup. So, you know, you have to you have to have a little bit of everything. <clears throat> so, I, I, I guess we're moving um, to your favorite uh, category. I'm sure this is because I know Christina, you know, she's a bookworm. You, re- yeah. you read a lot of books. You read more books than me, definitely. <laughs> uh, and I, I, my sense tells me tells me that you're going to like the, you know, the year 1983 in books. Uh, yeah, yeah. So here's some trivia uh, mm-hmm. about books and, and comic books in, in, in 1983. So here's the New York Times bestsellers list of the year. Uh, Space by James uh, Mishner. That's, that actually came out in 1982. It was in the bestsellers list from the previous year as well. Right. Uh, and for those that don't know, it is a fictionalized history of the United States space program. Uh, with a particular emphasis on human uh, space uh, flight. So basically what Mr. Mishner did was retell the story of NASA in a fictional uh, way. Um, uh, Mistral's Daughter by Judith uh, Grantz. The Little Drummer Girl by John Lecar. Le- uh, Lecar, did I pronounce that Le right? Lecar. He's Le- got Le- a Le-Car. thing at the, uh, yeah. Lecar. Uh, people that love espionage, you know, thrillers, they know uh, John Lecar, uh, you know. He's, he's one of the most known names in, in the genre. Of course. Uh, the Little Drama Girl is a spy novel published in 1983. Uh, the title suggests the wordplay on the Christmas Carol, The Little Drummer Boy, and the story follows the manipulations of uh, Martin Kartz, an Israeli spy master who intends to kill uh, Kali, a Palestinian, uh, Palestinian terrorist who is bombing um, Jewish-related targets in Europe, particularly Germany. And Charlie, it also follows another character, Charlie, which is an English actress and double agent working on behalf of the Israelis. Um, the next book on the New, uh, new um, in, on the New York Times bestsellers list kind of got me actually surprised because you don't get this sort of book usually on the list. And that's the Star Wars Return of the Jedi storybook based on the movie uh, by Joanne uh, Da Vinci. Uh, we don't get uh, that kind of books on the best. I don't I think mean, so. Adaptations no, yeah. of movies, uh, no. they're novelizations, basically. But I guess that was was so famous at this point in history that it's. I mean, a lot um, of people bought it. Yeah, and it it was the year like the trilogy. Yeah, came ended. To, yeah, ended. People didn't think to. to you know, yeah, pe- people were under the impression they're not gonna see anything else. Yeah, that was, was it. That was it. That was it. It ended. Yeah. You know, they killed the emperor. That was yeah. it. You know, nine movies later. <laughs> Uh, still alive. <laughs> still alive. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
And what what was more interesting to me about this entry in in the bestsellers list was was the author herself. So uh, Joanne uh, Devinci is an American science fiction author. She's known for such works as her Hugo Award winning novel The Snow Queen and its sequels. Her series about the telepath named Cut and her uh, Heaven's Chronicles books. Uh, she also is the author author of the Random House book of Greek myths. Uh, that uh, that was published in 1999. So, if anything else, I wanna I wanna uh, dig deeper, you know, into John D. Vinci's uh, bibliography because it sounds awesome. I I actually think um, I'm gonna need to check, but I think I've read the Random House Book of Greek Myths. Yeah, is it good? I it's been years. I'm I might oh. need to go back and check it again. Yeah. I she, think she, that she was like an awesome. Uh, I think writer. that was one of my teenage reads. Uh, and maybe that's another reason why this did so well because if it was well written the adaptation was well written yeah. you know? um, In the Name of the Rose by yes. Uberto Eco uh, yeah. that the original Italian version of the book came out in 1980 but the English version of the book came out in 1983 and it ended up in the best selling list uh, it is a historical murder mystery set in the Italian mon- uh, in an Italian monastery in the year 1327 and an intellectual uh, mystery combining Semiotics in fiction, biblical analysis, medieval studies, and literary theory. It was translated, as I said, into English this year of our Lord, 1983, uh, by William Weaver. Uh, I love the movie. I don't know if you've watched the movie. It was, I uh, I basically Mr. Have, Bond. I have no. Yeah, obviously, I know it was Mr. <laughs> Bond. Um, I have not read the book nor watched the film, and that's because I first want to read the book and then watch the film. It's an amazing movie. Um, I, I I did I did them in the opposite way. I've, I've yeah. watched the movie and then it got me interested, and I read the book, which. It's obviously even better than the movie. You can imagine that I've got quite a bit of a, a reading list. Um, so that's that's sort yeah, of sitting yeah. in, in in my um, next 30 kind of thing. Great, but, great. Um, yeah. Every every time I, another one comes I, in. I know and, that. Yeah. I, I've already learned in this show that you love crime. <laughs> crime stuff. You're yeah. going to love this because it, it, in its heart it's a crime story. I know it's good. I uh, know it's good. But I'm also... Um, imagine CSI read... in a monastery in the Dark Ages. <laughs> I don't need to tell you anything else. I've read other works <laughs> by Umberto Eco and I'm very aware of what his writing is like. And I always like, I've got this thing in my head where I need to be ready to read a particular uh, writer's style. Uh, are you style a fan in general? Or? I am, yeah, I am. He's, because he's such a popular uh, writer that nowadays he's kind of, you know, people pass him like he's, you know, like he's, he's kind cliche. Of, yeah. that, uh, um, I'm actually, recently I bought um, his study um, on art called um, on, on on Beauty and on Ugliness because um, he does a study of art um, in representing paintings, um, what was thought of as beauty is and what was thought of as ugliness, two separate books throughout the ages of, of art. And it's nice. really interesting, awesome. yeah. Well, the, the the novel sold over fifty million copies worldwide, becoming one of the best selling books ever published. It has received many international awards and accolades, such as the uh, Strega Prize in nineteen eighty one, the Prix uh, Medicis uh, Étrangère in nineteen eighty two, and it was ranked fourteenth on uh, Le Monde's one hundred books of the century list. As Wikipedia is very. Um, uh, it's very uh, nice to let us know. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, Poland by James A. Uh, Mishner is also released in, in, in 1983. And it's a historical novel detailing, detailing the times and tribulations of three interconnected Polish families across eight centuries, ending in the present day. It's a very 
political oriented book. It's about these three families that uh, come from three, let's say, different um, uh, social uh, circles, backgrounds that kind of influenced today's Poland. And, you know, this is the 80s. There's no, I don't think there's a single year without a Stephen King. Book. <laughs> Pet Cemetery <laughs> yeah. uh, is released uh, in 1983. Uh, the novel was nominated for a, a World Fantasy Award for Best Novel in 1986 and adapted into two films, uh, one that came out in 1989 and the other more recently in 2019. And uh, if you're a bookworm like Christina, you probably want to get the uh, 30th anniversary edition, uh, limited edition that was released by PS Publishing in 2013. Uh, my question is, have you watched both films? I've watched the original. The first, you haven't first watched adaptation. the new one? No. Because kind of, I've, I've yeah. watched the original and I haven't gone into watching mm, um, the new one. I haven't watched the new one, but from the trailer and from uh, the reviews and all that, it didn't seem like something I need to waste Okay. two hours. Because I've read yeah. the book, I've seen the original film, which is pretty decent. It's not something wow. Yeah. Uh, so... I, Will I win anything from another adaptation? I don't know. I don't I, think I it's mean, a neat situation. Did, did, where they, yeah, the, the I mean, I mean, with it, you 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 did win something, but then with Carrie, yeah. it was so bad. Yeah, Carrie the, was the, 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 the new Carrie was just really bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, researching today's episode, uh, I found out what King's inspiration was. Uh, you want to hear it? It's pretty dark stuff. I most certainly do. In, in King fashion. Uh, in 1979, King was a writer in residence at the University of Maine, and the house he was renting was adjacent to a major road where dogs and cats were often killed by uh, oncoming trucks. Now, me and Christine are both, you know, we love pets, we have dogs, you know. So yeah. I'm, as, as I was reading this, I was starting to <laughs> freak out a little bit. After his daughter's cat was killed by a truck along the road. He explained the death of the pet to his daughter and buried the cat. Three days later, King imagined what would happen if a family suffered the same tragedy, but the cat came back to the to life, quote, fundamentally wrong, end quote. He then imagined what would happen if that family's young son was also killed by a passing truck. He decided to write a book based on these ideas and that the book would be retelling of the monkey's poem 1902 short story by W.W. W. Jacobs about parents whose sons, sons resurrects, whose son resurrects after the wish for that to happen. Uh, King has gone on record stating that all of the, all of King, sorry, cut this, let's fix it, mm-hmm. edit. King has gone on the record stating that of all the novels he has written, Pet Cemetery is the one, Pet Cemetery is the one which genuinely scared him the most. I mean, yeah, he kind of made it personal, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know these, the, the, the inspiration behind the book, but now that I've, it's even scarier <laughs> when I recall back, you know, what actually yeah. happens in the book. I mean, you generally have to wonder about King's um, mental state in, in various of his books, but um, this particular one just kind of, oh yeah, my cat died. Um, I know what I'll do. I'll imagine my child died too. Um, that is such a weird uh, turn it of, is. yeah. It is, but it makes for good stories. It does, yeah. And uh, I remember when I I was in Finland a couple of years ago, and we were um, outside Helsinki in one of the many forests of Finland. And as we were trailing uh, through the forest, without a map, without anything, we just, you know, um, I'm I'm that kind of a person, I like to get lost. We came across uh, a pet cemetery. And in our group, (laughs) immediately the first thought, oh, 
are these things alive or are they coming back? Yeah. Because such an eerie sight, you know, a pet cemetery in, in the middle of a forest in Finland. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is such a, <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are the things though. These are the things that books create for you and films create for you that you wouldn't have, if, yeah. if you'd come upon it without yeah. knowing anything about this. And I, I, this has happened to me with a different um, Stephen King book that entirely changed um the way I hear something. something yeah. No, the way I hear yeah. something. It was a very specific noise. It was from um, uh, Duma Key, I think, where he heard like the, the sea roll the pebbles. And that's a sound that you have and it sounds nice to you. It's like the sea rolling the pebbles and it's such a nice <laughs> sound. And then halfway through the book, it's the sea rolling skeletal, <laughs> skeletal bones. And then the first time I heard it after I read the book, I was like, oh, bones. No, 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 no. You can't replace like 25 27, I don't remember when I read it, 27 years of fondness for this sound just because of a book from Stephen King. But then you kind of do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, really good stories have the power to do that. In You know, I mean, I, for example, for me, you know, there is no way every time I, I for example, I, <laughs> I listen to uh, an electronic sound, for example, that, always almost always brings back to mind to me at, at least Blade Runner yeah for example you know really good stories really well said stories <laughs> have, have yeah. that power did you did you read Pet Cemetery? Um, no I have not read Pet Cemetery. are you going to read it well, yeah I, it's, it's, again it's on my list I know, I know you yeah. love your dogs you know um, yeah I'm, I'm still I don't yeah I mean it's the same question about Cujo isn't it oh yeah and, 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 Kucho will be back in this discussion a few, okay. few minutes later. All right. Uh, so a few trivia about comics. We don't mm -hmm. have so many comic-related uh, incidents in 1983 as we had in the previous episode, but it's worth mentioning. Kevin Eastman and Peter uh, Laird founded uh, Northampton, Massachusetts-based uh, Mirage Studios. And if you don't know those guys, they're the guys who invented the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, basically. So they had their own imprint, their own yeah. pub, uh, comic book publisher. Uh, DC Comics acquires most of Charlton Comics action hero, superhero characters, including uh, uh, Blue Beatty, uh, Captain Atom, and The Question uh, from the failing publisher. Wonder Woman issue 300, special anniversary uh, issue written by Roy Thomas, Danny Thomas, and Dan Michkin uh, is released. Uh, Jason Todd makes his debut as the second Robin in Detective Comics mm. 526. And the first issue of Frank Miller's Ronin limited series is published by DC Comics. Uh, it's okay. pretty, uh, Ronin is a pretty pretty awesome graphic novel if, if you read it in a graphic novel. Form. I haven't actually read the graphic novel. I, d I didn't, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's, it's very usual with Frank Miller's work. It's pretty bloody. Politics yeah. are questionable. <laughs> They're a little bit on the right side of things. But it's a pretty awesome uh, book, nevertheless. So have to put some books, uh, some uh, paper and letters <laughs> in, in the capsule, Mrs. Christina. Interestingly enough, you didn't hit my book. I did. I always love when that happens because, you know, uh, which makes so I'm me really wonder, curious now. Which makes me wonder which one of these did you think was going to be my book? I thought it was Pet Cemetery. For some because, reason, I th yeah. thought you're the kind of person who would love that book. I, I'm, I'm sure I will. And I'm, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that you didn't uh, actually read it. But you are. You're going to read am, it. So, yeah. you know, it's to get upgraded on your list. He's got a lot of books, uh, Stephen King. Yeah, so it takes, <laughs> takes, takes a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I've, so, I personally, I've barely scratched the surface. I mean, uh, I me neither. I've only I've only read. Like I've only read of, 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 I haven't. I've I've only read about four or 10. five yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's one percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one percent. Um, but yeah, so I had a marvelous surprise when I was looking for my book for this Drum year. Yeah. Um, because I thought it was published in 1981, and then when I opened the uh, 1983 year, I was so ecstatic because it's Ooh. so perfect for me. Ooh, it fits so well with me because 1983 is the year The Caller of Magic by Sir Terry Pratchett was published. Oh, I don't know how much. So the, how, the how very first of the very first of the 41 books Ooh. of the Discworld series. That tiny series of books. That, that t- that's just the 41 basic, like there's guides and everything <laughs> that you could, um, you could go you're into. You're not including the video games, you're not including the movie adaptations, no. the TV adaptations, all that um, stuff. Just yeah. the basic books. I'm very apprehensive um, about some of the movies or TV adaptations, especially the, the latest games one. Were, some of the video games were good, though. The video games were fun. The early um, point-and-click adventure games were pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, there's table games as well, yeah. which are really fun. Um, but yeah, that fits so perfectly for me because um, Terry Pratchett, I think, is... Um, the, the entire Discworld series, I think, is... Um, I can't separate them as books. Like, I do have favorites, but I do think it's one whole thing and the fact that it so perfectly fits that the very first one was published in 1983, wow. is, um, it's just magical, really. And, it, and, it, and it's, uh, you know, okay, we didn't have, like, the British equivalent of the New York Times bestsellers list, yeah. but maybe, it, maybe you know, it was on the list, but I'm not sure. Did uh, I don't I, think he made it on the New York Times uh, bestsellers no, list I think it took some until time until he yeah. grew his fan base, right? I think it took a while, um, and there were quite a few books, but I, I yeah. Um, Can you tell our audiences a little bit about the book? What's the basic premise? I know it's uh, a huge world. It's, it's a huge world. And um, people who don't know the Discworld world, yeah. you know, it, take the Lord of the Rings world <laughs> and multiply that by, I don't know, 30, yeah. Yeah. 40, 50. You know, that's how yeah. huge that uh, fictional world is. So um, I don't think I could ever do justice to Pratchett introducing the world himself in every one of the books. But um, very simply put, the Discworld... Um, is a disc resting on the back of four elephants who are standing on the back of a Flat giant. Flat earthers rejoice! Yes. Um, on the back of a giant turtle called Great Tatooine who is traveling through space. And um, as you can imagine, the uh, world of physics is a bit different on a disc world traveling on the back of a turtle, but um, it is also not so different. And... Um, Terry Pratchett basically introduces this world in the color of magic and then continues to write within it. Um, there will be, there is an incredible amount of humor. There is also an incredible amount of um, very serious subjects touched in a very light, but very important way. He, he was the master of that, wasn't he? He, yeah, I think, I think he is. Yeah, he was. He could hide, you know, really serious subjects under the veil of, uh, fantasy adventure you he, know? he really could and he did it so well he did it and you didn't even realize you you had to think about it. if you stopped if you just read through it it kind of passed through you and it was fine and then if you actually took a moment to think about it you realize that something very important has been passed on to you right now without you realizing it. i think that's magical um that is why the latest attempt at a tv series based on set harry patch's night watch Angered me, yeah, very, you told me. very much um, because they basically Did took you watch away. The whole thing? No, no, I watched the first episode and watched every single character I loved being shattered into a thousand pieces and turned into something that they were it's not. not. I haven't watched it, but from what I've read, it's not even. You know, sometimes when in the world of TV, because we come from that world, yeah. you know, we're filmmakers, we do movies and TVs. You know, you adapt something, and as long as you keep the essence of it, 
it's considered a good adaptation if you keep the essence of it. Yeah. But I think this wasn't one of these cases. No, it, it really wasn't. And I think the, the thing that um, by trashing the characters, by changing the characters, by doing what they did, it, basically they made an attempt to turn everything into political correctness and inclusiveness and everything, but that already existed. In a more subtle. In, in Terry Patchett's The Watch. And in their effort to do it more in your face, they destroyed everything that Terry Pratchett had yeah, built it, in a very they make it subtle sometimes. and very beautiful way, the way that he passed on these things. So yeah, for, for anyone listening, um, I strongly recommend a series of 41 books. So um, have at it. You know what you're um, doing for the next 10 years. You know what you're doing. <laughs> to, to be honest, you can, um, you can choose not to read... Um, read them in the order they were published. Uh, that's how I read them every time I do it. I am now on the second run, halfway through. Um, Ooh, that's brave. But um, oh, I'm pretty sure that throughout my years, I will go back to them again and again. But um, there is a, a different way of reading them, which is um, you could read the Watch uh, books, the Witches books, the um, in Death that, in books. That or, in that order? Um, no, it's just um, you, you can, um, if you go online and you look at the Discworld um uh, series. There's an official Discworld page and you can actually say reading order and it gives you the actual published order and then it gives you all these other ways that you could read it so you can separate each group of people that are involved in the Discworld and read their stories um, as one whole rather than switching from one to the other as you go along. As, as, uh, as someone who I'm a very... <coughs> I, I enjoy Terry Pratchett. I've read sporadically some of the books in no order in yeah. you know which you can do which, which is also you can amazing do, yeah, yeah which is amazing uh, I'm curious though is there a connecting t- I mean a narrative thematic connective tissue between the 41 books there is is it like a big thread that's looming all off throughout for, without being spoilerish it's um I think if if you some some know some no and some yes. But um, I think the one connecting thing, and that's just my interpretation of it, and I'm sure other Discord lovers would disagree with me, but um, I find that the one connecting thing is Death himself. Because what an amazing character. Right? It's, it's a fascinating death character. In, in, in Terry Pratt. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating character. Um, he, he, it, they are a fascinating and, and character. In a, and in a way, a no character. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he sort of... Um, I think he's he's the thing that connects these books for me every now and again if um because he'll appear here and there. Yeah. Um one of the things that I love and it's not a spoiler and it's brilliant is that um every time you see capital letters in, in a Terry Pratchett book, you know death is talking. <laughs> that's death's voice. That's such an awesome device. It it really is. It really is. Um like this the only person the only character, he's not a person, but the only character in a Terry Pratchett book worthy of capital letters is death. Yeah. And, and and his granddaughter occasionally yeah, when she yeah. uses Death's voice, um, <laughs> but um, that's that's the thing. Like because I've I've got a couple of friends that love Pratchett as much as I do. If we accidentally caps lock message each other, um, the immediate you know reaction, yeah, the, the immediate reaction is like, oh, are, are you are you playing um, are you playing with us tonight, like a video game or something? And if you accidentally like the other day, he accidentally typed yes, but with capital letters. Um, <laughs> And um, before I had time to answer, he said, um, he, he wrote under it, um, apparently death might be joining us as well. Oh. I hope you don't mind. Um, but it's a running joke between us because it's such a 
thing in your face. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pratchett is, is worth a hundred episodes of a podcast. Um, yeah. Maybe that's a good idea for you to start a podcast at Terry Pratchett. This growth podcast. I'm sure there's a couple of them out there. I don't, no I don't think I there. know enough. I don't I, think I, I know think enough. You do. I think you do. Or you could discover more. I, I could podcast. discover more, yeah. So, yes. what uh, can you do the honors? The honors and, and insert Terry Pratchett into the capsule. Well, yes. In this format um, list. You ready for the sound effects? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's worth of a, in his own sound effect. <laughs> I don't know why mine is frosted or something. Um, so I've just placed um, you know, Terry I, Pratchett. I, I, you took me by surprise. I had no idea. That's a, a welcoming uh, addition. I was I was very excited when I when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to video games. Yeah. So, uh, here's some trivia about video games in the year 1983. Electronic Games, which is the first magazine about video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, labels Donkey Kong, Space Panic, and other games uh, with ladders as climbing games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's such a no-brainer. <laughs> Thank you, Electronic Games, for labeling these uh, uh, climbing games. as You know, in the early uh, games of video games, you had to be really genre. obvious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the fourth arcade awards are held for games released during 1981 and 92 with Tron winning best arcade game, um, Demon Attack best console game, David's Midnight Magic best computer game, and Galaxian best standalone game. What the hell does best standalone game mean? I don't know. That there won't be there won't be any more. Maybe or or a game that was released. In its own device, maybe you know that was like very popular in the eighties. Yeah. You had like oh, mini, like the mini yeah. handheld games that only had one game. On yeah, it. so maybe maybe that's maybe what that's it what it is because um, they didn't yeah. really do series back then, did no. they? Uh, you had your occasional Donkey Kong and Pac Man yeah. stuff yeah. released in like you know most of the same game with some change, uh, cosmetic changes, yeah, or uh, difficulty changes. Which is what they do nowadays, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a major shakeout uh, of the North American video game industry also known as the crash of 1983 begins. And by 1986, total video game sales will decrease from US 3.2 billion to US 0.1 billion. And if you if you listen to our previous episode, you will know um, ET had something to do about that. I'm not going to spoil it. Go watch, go listen yeah. to it. Uh, MCA Universal filed suit against Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> claiming that the latter company's video arcade hit Donkey Kong violated Universal's copyright on King Kong. Obviously. <laughs> After a brief trial, the judge uh, the judge uh, determined that the rights to the original Kong was has passed into the public domain. The case was dismissed and MCA Universal paid 1.8 million in damages to Nintendo. Damn. Bravo, Nintendo. Bravo, Nintendo. Well played. <laughs> you steal a character and you win money on top of it. I mean, that, that is definitely By well order played. order of the judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Atari files suit against Coleco, uh, claiming violation of Atari's patents on the Atari 2600 video game console. The previous year, Coleco released a peripheral device that made it possible for Atari 200, 2600 games cartridges to be run on its own ColecoVision hmm. console. Uh, in May of that year, Sega releases Astron Belt in the Japanese market, the second Laserdisc video game. It uses pre-rendered computer animated film footage as backdrops overlaid with sprite graphics. Pretty revolutionary stuff at the time. Yeah. Uh, in the same month, Atari releases Star Wars, a color vector graphics game based on the, 
on the popular film franchise. You know that small, tiny film yeah. franchise is it probably heard of. Uh, June 14th, Nintendo releases Mario Brothers, which features the first appearance of Mario's brother, Luigi. As you know, Mario already appeared in Donkey Kong. Yeah. Um, and now he's getting his own dedicated game called Mario Brothers, and we're introduced to what was essential at the same time, the same exact character with different colors. Yeah, basically, and a bit thinner. I think he was a bit thinner. No, in this version, he wasn't. Mario was Brothers not? is not Super Mario Brothers. It's not the version you probably have in your head. Mario Bros. was the game where it was just basically one level. You were in a sewer. Turtles yeah, were, uh, were thrown onto you from all over the place. That's the one I'm thinking of. Luigi was not thinner. Okay, maybe the, the later image has stuck in, in my Super head. Super Mario Brothers, yeah. Yeah, he was thinner. Maybe just the, because in every later yeah. thing, it, he was thinner. My thinner yeah. Yeah. Uh, June 19th, Cinematronics releases Advanced Microcomputer Systems Dragon Slayer, the third Laserdisc video game and the first in the American market. Have you played Dragon Slayer? I don't um, think so. Its gameplay is pretty lousy, trust hmm. me, but it's one of the most beautiful gorgeous video games ever made, even to this day, because it was hand-drawn like a 2D cartoon. Uh, The game was re-released many times in many platforms because it just looks so good. I mean, it looks as if it came out yesterday, even if you play it today. But its gameplay is very basic. Okay, I'm going to have to go look into that. Yeah, so there is a, because the the creators know that, in the most current versions of the game, there is a mode where you just can watch the game. You don't even have to play it, just to watch it unfolding in front of you. okay. It's beautiful to look at. Um, in uh, Also in June, Data East releases uh, Becca's Patsol, a Laserdisc video game uh, that uses anime FMV cutscenes to develop a story between the game's shooting stages would later become the standard approach to video game storytelling. Basically, uh, the cutscene, you know? Yeah. In some games, people really uh, appreciate the cutscenes. They're really well made. In some others, it's just an annoyance. Yeah. In the background, the game is loading the next stage yeah. or whatever. Um, Midway releases Spy Hunter. They also released Junior Pac-Man and quiz game Professor Pac-Man. What the fuck? Sorry, I didn't know that this game even existed. Without Namco's authorization. And the latter is an, an immediate flop. Uh, immediate flop. Professor what? Pac-Man. Professor Pac-Man is basically Pac-Man in a white robe. I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> it's imagine. It's a quiz game. Oh, it's I a quiz never, game. I never played it. So I guess it's it's like, you know, a, a trivia pursuit kind of a question game, but you just have a mascot, which is... Which is Pac-Man. In a, yeah. in a, in a professor's robe. Nintendo releases Punch-Out! In Japan. Have you ever played uh, Punch-Out? It's a boxing game. It's pretty funny, actually. It's pretty I... comedic. Uh, no. Many versions not. of it have been released throughout the years. So if you have, for example, a Nintendo Wii still... I do. There was a version yeah. on the, on yeah, the, there the was Wii the, yeah. and, and it was pretty awesome. Um, in August 23, 23rd, Origin System publishes Ultima 3 Exodus, mm. one of the first role-playing games to use tactical turn-based combat. It is also released for the Apple II, Atari 800, and Commodore 64 and IBM PCs. I know a lot of people who are you know, Ultima fanatics. Have you played Ultima? I have um, very briefly because someone insisted I at least have yeah, to have a it's go. A, it's a love it or hate it kind of yeah. a game. It, it's it's a very specific kind of a gameplay, uh, and it takes some time to get used to. That's the truth. But it has a huge fan base, especially for its satanic imagery. Yeah. Uh, Hudson Soft releases Bobberman for the MSX and FM7. New Software releases a port of Castle of Wolfenstein 
for MS-DOS, Castle Wolfenstein is not the first person shooter you have in your head, like Doom. It, in the original Castle Wolfenstein was um, um, a top, um, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was a top um, top view top view uh, yeah. game. Same premise, but top view. Yeah. On July 15th, Nintendo releases the Family Computer, also known as Famicom. I, I, I remember those. Shortly after its release, complaints begin to surface about rampant system instability, prompting Nintendo to issue a product recall and to re-release the machine with a new motherboard. It will later be released worldwide as the Nintendo Entertainment System. And that was my first console. And I would and not yes. change it for the world. It was the first console for many of us, or at yeah. least it's copycats, because it had thousands of hundreds yeah. of copycats, yeah, obviously. which was basically the same console with some different cosmetic but changes. But the tapes worked. It's the, it's the, the games thing, were the same. It's the yeah. thing they were suing Atari for a bit yeah. earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, Atari yeah. was suing, um, <laughs> yeah, but basically that's what it was. But uh, yeah. So yeah, the NES is a pretty important <clears throat> release because a few years later, because in Japan we never really had a video game crash like we had in the United States that we yeah. mentioned before. So it was still a thing. People were buying video games and consoles, etc. But uh, in the later years, the NES is considered to have saved the video game consoles yeah. basically because when it was released in the States a few years later, it was a, a smash hit. Everybody wanted to play Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Home. And so many other things after that. Yeah. I still remember the duck hunt. Oh, I love duck hunt. I the know. Gun, the and the stupid dog giggling at you <laughs> when you missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a few more trivia about video games in this year. Uh, Gameline, a combination of modem and dial-up game distribution service. As you said, the internet, you know, as we said in the early in the yeah. show, the internet is starting to be a thing. Uh, for the Atari 2600, it's announced but never ships. Because ah. probably, you know, there was still a lot of limitations yeah. for, you know, online gameplay. What the hell is that? Nobody knows at the time. Uh, so it's pretty experimental stuff. Yeah. July 15th, Sega releases the SG-1000 console in Japan on the same day as the Famicom. You may know the SG-1000 as the Master System, the Sega Master System. No. When what, it was released a few years later in the States, it was renamed as a Sega Master System. Okay. Uh, I was on Sega Mega Drive. It, it was the it's second the version, second, the 16-bit yeah. version of yeah. that. This is an, still an 8-bit console. Okay. Uh, the SG-1000, or the Sega Master System, as some of you people know it, uh, was pretty successful in Japan, not yet in the States. You know, it took some years to, um, to become a thing. Uh, but, you know, this is where the seeds of the Sega versus Nintendo war, I think it's, you know, um, are, are starting to happen. Do you think um, the non-response on certain video games at the time in the States had anything to do with their political system at the time, trying to be all American and, and, and praise the Americans and sort of keep away? I, I don't think uh, it happened consciously. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean consciously. Atari, yeah. for example, was an American company. It was yeah, Japanese. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they, you know, they probably they were seeing what was happening in Japan that their own systems were becoming successful there and some other yeah. parts of the world. Maybe it had something to do with it. I think I it, it just it just feels like the kind of thing that would usually just go boom and yeah. then it didn't. Yeah, it was very weird because in the late seventies it went huge. People wanted to buy an Atari two thousand six hundred. Atari became super multi-million dollar company, and then four or five years later it just crashes. You know. Yeah. And it stays there for a couple of years before the NES comes to the US comes market to, yeah. and changes everything. Uh, something, you know, that not a lot of people know, they think Sega is a Japanese company. 
but it was originally an American company, like in the early 60s or 70s. Okay. Uh, it was an American company that was making board games and card games, very much like Nintendo in the early 20th yeah. century. And at some point, they were bought off by a by J- big Japanese company. Nowadays, we think it's a Japanese company. It, it is nowadays a Japanese yeah. company for whatever it's worth, but originally it wasn't. Okay. Good trivia to know. Yeah. Both, you know? Good good trivia, yeah. Yeah, because it, 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 I heard some arguments from video game fans that I'm, I'm a pro Sega guy because there are more Japanese than Nintendo. And I'm like, no, they're not really yeah. Japanese. You have yeah. to do your research. Yeah. You know, they became Japanese down the line, you yeah. know, or whatever that culture is in video games, but, you know, it's not the complete truth. So... We have to uh, open the capsule and insert a video game uh, in there or something related to video games. It doesn't need to be a game as such. I, um, during my research, I was going to go straight away for Mario Bros. Um, because that was um, that was a game that I play and um, the game that I enjoyed um, as a kid as well, um, which later became Super Mario Bros. and everything else. So, yeah, I think... Who, who hasn't, really? Right? Yeah. Like, uh, and just to keep the momentum going, my choice is the NES. So Even better. Even better, because when the aliens <laughs> open the capsule, they're going to find a console and a game to go and with it. And the game, yeah. My, my plan was a bit flawed. I see it now. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, is a it game. all works out in the end. Yeah, it, it does work out in the end. Otherwise, I think our um, alien friends would have been really disappointed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll probably avoid uh, an all-out uh, war, you know, because when they play this video game, they're going to be like, okay, there's something good about humanity. They're going to dedicate they their time. They're, they're going to dedicate their time in trying to recreate the yeah. Nintendo NES so they have it for everybody. That's true. Um, and it's going to be so dumbed down in terms of technology that it's going to take true. them forever. Very true. So, uh, in the video games world, we will include NES and a copy of Mario Brothers a cartridge uh, for future generations to discover. And we're not going to cheat. We're not going to include one of those fancy new mini NESs that were all the, all the rage. No, the no, no, a no. Proper NES, proper NES, and that game. We're not going to use any of the later, yeah, yeah. Uh, later. And, and um, it's going to be used Mario Brothers cartridge that you need to blow in yeah. it so it, you can make it work. You know, it's going to be the whole the whole shebang. It's going to yeah. be the whole shebang because you could cheat and put one of the other ones that had Mario Bros and then a million other games yeah, on it. But that's yeah, yeah. cheating because they came much later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so now on to our last um, uh, topic. Uh, this has been a long show, but I, I yes. think it was worth it. And my favorite topic of it all, movies. Uh-huh. And just to, you know, for me, the 80s is a little bit no-brainer because every year has so many amazing movies. It's a little bit yeah. difficult to choose. That is, But yeah. uh, let's go through the motions and see what we uh, end up with. So, uh, in the US box office, the top 10 movies are, at number 10 is Risky Business uh, with Tom Cruise, one of the yeah. his, his first movies that made him very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mum uh, is at number nine with Mr. Batman uh, him, himself, the original Batman. At number eight, uh, Staying Alive. Uh, at number seven, Sudden Impact. Number six, a James Bond movie, Octopussy, uh, with Roger Moore. Uh, number five, War Games. Uh, and I think after Tron, this is probably the second movie that references internet and all yeah. that uh, looming culture that's a few years down the line. Yeah. Um, at number four, uh, Trading Places, the uh, the Eddie Murphy uh, comedy. Uh, number three. For all you fans of musicals, mm. Flashdance with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> uh, number two, 
terms of endearment. Yeah. Uh, and at number one, what else? <laughs> Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Uh, with $309 million at the US box office at the time. Uh, we're not going to do the, the numerics and find out what that is. In today's money, it's probably over a billion. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Star Wars ends with a bang. It's the number one box office film of the year. Uh, in the awards, uh, in the Oscars, Terms of Endearment wins yeah. uh, the Best Film Award. At the British BAFTAs, uh, Educating Rita wins the equivalent Best Movie Award. And at Cannes, the Palme d'Or goes to The Ballad of Narayama, uh, a Japanese film directed uh, by Shohei Imamura. Uh, some other notable films, this in the 80s. Sorry, guys, it's always a long list. I'm always like, ah, what do I leave out, you know, outside? It's, I don't it's know. tricky, yeah. You know, some of them, you know, I'm just going to, do it really quick. If you want to stop at something yeah. and discuss it, please do so. Um, uh, Ten to Midnight with uh, Charles Bronson is it's one more of those revenge revenge films that Charles Bronson was very famous at the time for. All the right moves um, uh, again with Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know he, he was becoming a thing. It, it was year. it was his years. Yeah, the yeah. 80s kind of yeah. BMX Bandits with Nicole Kidman. This is one of the first films she she's ever done and. You know, I remember this movie very vividly. You know, if you haven't watched it, you should watch I it. I haven't watched it. You no, haven't watched no. BMX Bandit. It's an Australian film. Pretty awesome. And as you have guessed, it's about people on BMX bikes doing yeah. uh, nasty things. Um, the Big Chill uh, by Lourdes uh, Castan uh, also comes down. Uh, the uh, Black Stallion Returns, which is a sequel to The Black Stallion. Blue Thunder. Uh, Brainstorm with Christopher Walken, a uh, pretty awesome sci-fi movie. Uh, Breathless uh, with Richard Gere. Uh, Christine, uh, another Stephen King yeah. adaptation. And as you're going to see down the line, there's a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this I was mean, like, he got like two, three movies he, out. He already, he already had a good um, a good amount of books out. Uh, yeah, so people yeah, could then, just uh, grab them yeah, and just man, go he, for it. Yeah, he, He's definitely the adaptation king. I mean, he I is, think he more is. movies have been adapted by his by his books than, you know, adapted into yeah. his by... Uh, but again, uh, he's got enough books to go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the, the energy in that man, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, directed by... One of my personal favorite directors, John Carpenter. Christine, it's mm -hmm. a pretty uh, amazing horror film about a car that's self-conscious and, you know, uh, kills <laughs> people. Uh, a Christmas Story uh, by directed by Bob Clark. Uh, a very, you know, it's, it's a Christmas staple by now. I mean, it's one of those movies that's always on TV. Yeah. Uh, Cujo. Cujo, <laughs> as I said. Cujo. As you said earlier. Um, it was clearly his, uh, his year of uh, misbehaving pets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, I think Cujo is one of the movies. I, I have a friend of mine who is traumatized by this movie since he was a child and he, he cannot, um, he's afraid of pets, dogs specifically, because of Cujo. I actually haven't watched Cujo because, because I know because I know what it is, and I feel like if I read it first, yeah, I'll be better off when I yeah. watch it. If you like dogs, if you love your I mean, pets, this yeah. is not the movie to watch. It's, a, it's yeah. different than Pet Cemetery. It is different, but it's. it's just, I, I mean, I already know about Cujo because there's so many references of it in pop culture as, as we grew up and everything. I mean, even like Friends had a reference yeah. to Cujo and yeah. everything. So, yeah, I just um, I have not done that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't recommend 
keep watching it anytime. So it's it's an okay movie. It's not a bad adaptation, but just no. because of the subject. Yeah. Uh, the day after, uh, in my humble opinion, one of the, one of the best uh, TV movies ever made is also released. Uh, it was one of the, I wouldn't say first, but it was a rarity at the time to see movies made for TV with high budgets and proper production values and good actors, you know, and all that stuff. It was one of those movies. It was the beginning. And it, it, it's all about the nuclear uh, war scare of the time. Uh, and I remember watching it as a kid and I was, you know, uh, I had a few nightmares about the end of the world uh, because of, of a nuclear war just because of this movie. Yeah. The Dead Zone. <laughs> I know it's, it's starting to get a little bit tiring, yeah. right? Yeah. Another Kevin, another Stephen, uh, King. Stephen King adaptation is released. Uh, in my opinion, I think this is the best one in this year, in with this Christine year. Yeah. being a close second. Directed by uh, body horror mastermind David Cronenberg, again with Christopher uh, Walken. Uh, is is born to be creepy, basically. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. When that song was, re- was released, was a little bit underrated, but it ha- it ha- it has gained a huge it's following. Aged well. It's aged very well. Yeah, it's a, it's it's one of the it's one of the movies that Stephen King himself says is one of the my it's one of the movies adapted from my work that I mostly like. So it's that and Shawshank Redemption probably and a yeah. few others. Uh, Corky Park. Uh, with William Hart and Lee Marvin uh, is also released. Uh, the Hanger by Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's brother. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a vampire movie uh, with David Bowie, uh, Catherine uh, Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. Pre- very ahead of its time, I would say. Yeah. Have you watched The Hunger? Yes, 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 I have. Yeah. Very, very ahead of its time. Uh, Joe's 3D, <laughs> starring Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong and Louis Gosset Jr., opens in theaters uh, in 3D. It's a big, 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 big mess. Yeah. Uh, people hate it. I, I, I To be honest, I it. still hate 3D. Um, I know as, it's as changed. As a form, you As mean. a form, uh, yeah. I still hate it. I think um, it's gimmicky. Uh, yeah. I think it's gimmicky. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's tiring anyway, even with today's technology. Yeah. Especially uh, for us who wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. It gets a bit uh, annoying. In VR, though, if you're watching a movie in 3D Ooh, VR, that's a little bit different. That's of experience. different. Yeah, that's, that's, different. that's different. That's yeah. proper immersive stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Keep, directed by Michael Mann, a horror movie, is also released. Uh, really good stuff. The King of Comedy, directed by Martin Scorsese. A lot yeah. of people have. A lot of people say that this is the movie that should have won the best Oscar. Uh, Award that year. I mean, didn't. yeah, but Terms of Endearment was an excellent film. It is an excellent yeah. film. I don't doubt that. Yeah. But the king of comedy down the line influenced a lot more movies than uh, yeah, it that did. one. Like it did. Even, even you know, the, the latest Joker movie. Yes. It's it's really the king of comedy. It's a remake. It uh, is, let's yeah. Be honest. Uh, but, you know, uh, with Robert De Niro and Jerry, Lee, and Jerry Lewis. And funny enough, Robert De Niro is also in, in the Joker. Yeah. I think that's not... It's, that's by design. Mm. Uh, so if you haven't watched The King of Comedy, it's pretty dark stuff. It, yeah. Uh, if you, It's excellent dark If you stuff have Xanax though. in your closet, use it before you watch it. <laughs> but it's totally worth um, your depressing time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Krul, Kral, Krul, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, with Peter, uh, I think it's oh, Kral. 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 Uh, which was one of the many Star Wars knockoffs of yeah. the time. It's one of the few worth, you, worth your time. It's not a great movie, but it has some good uh, stuff in it. So uh, you could watch it as a curiosity. Loka Hero, one of my favorite British films of the time, uh, comes out 
um, The Man with Two Brains uh, mm. with Steve Martin, uh, yeah. another popular comedy. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, with David Bowie. Second film he's in. He's yeah, there's a year for David Bowie as well. Yeah, for David music Bowie. as well, by the way. <laughs> for music as well, True. there were so many releases. True, yeah. so David Bowie and, uh, and uh, Stephen King, <laughs> that's their year in movies. And, and Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, Monty Python's The yes. Meaning of Life. The Meaning there, of Life. Their third film in a series of very successful comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mum with Michael Keaton. Uh, comes out. Uh, you, that was in the top ten. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original Batman, Michael Keaton. I mean, the original in, in first one films. in. Yeah. Uh, because in in TV we had another Batman yeah, many was, years uh, ago. Was More. Adam Scott. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another classic comedy. Uh, Never say never again. Another James Bond movie, and this is, gets a lot of people confused. In the same year, we had Octopussy, which was yeah. in the top 10 with Roger Moore. And we also had another James Bond coming out in the same year, Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah. And you kind of wonder, you know, if you're not somebody who's followed the James Bond franchise from up close, uh, you would wonder, how do we have two Bonds in the same year, two different Bond stories, two different Bond movies? It's because at the time, uh, the, the rights for the books were divided into different yeah. companies. So Sean Connery decided to come out of James Bond retirement and the people who had the rights for Never Say Never Again, the book, uh, they just went all out and, and made a movie. Because he was the true Bond. Because he was the true Bond. But yeah. the box office said otherwise. Uh, people, you know, wanted yeah. a more youthful Bond. Roger Moore kind of uh, succeeded in that way so that we had another four or five James Bond movies with Roger Moore down yeah. the line. Uh, and Sean, Sean Connery, I think... Um, yeah. That was his last one. I that think. was his, yeah. yeah. Never say never again. I say never again. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nostalgia by Andrei Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his great, great movies if you're into Russian uh, art house cinema. Of Unknown Origin with Peter Waller. Another good horror movie comes out. Uh, the Osterman Weekend by Sam Peckinpah. Uh, I know there's a lot of fans of Sam Peckinpah out there. Oh. This is one of his last films. Uh, the Outsiders by Francis Ford Coppola. Psycho 2. Psycho 2. Is released. And it's actually a pretty decent sequel. You know, pe- people by definition say if it's not Hitchcock, it's not, you know, but it was a pretty decent sequel. It was Psycho all right. Two. It was it's all right. right. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. It's all right. I mean, it mostly falls on, on to Anthony Perkins' uh, shoulders. Yeah. And he does an amazing job returning to that character years he, later. Yeah, he did. Um, and in color. <laughs> he was amazing way back when and yeah. he kept it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like they didn't pass. I mean. No. Uh it's a pretty good sequel. You should watch it. And a Greek entry uh, into the list, Rembetigo, uh, a 1983 yeah. film uh, directed by Kostas Feris. Uh, comes out. It, it it has like a cult status today, uh, mostly for people who follow Greek uh, cinema. Is that the one that was later turned into a graphic novel? Um, not. It, it, it deals about the same themes, but it's the graphic novel is not a direct okay, translation okay. Yeah. of the movie. The Right Stuff by Philip Kaufman uh, uh, is out at cinemas. A really awesome movie about the first pioneers of, of space flight. Mm-hmm. Those people who first tested the uh, supersonic planes, uh, etc. Scarface by Brian De Palma. Pretty iconic yeah. character, iconic film with Al Pacino. Yep. Let me show you my little, <laughs> little friend. Let me show you my little friend. And a sequel that's not as good as the previous film, <laughs> Superman 3. Uh, with the iconic Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor. 
you would think that Richard Pryor's presence will, yeah. you know, will raise uh, these movies. Uh, yeah, but quality, but it the actors can't raise the script, can they? No, that's no, the. No. I, I still, I still think though that um, Christopher Reeves was my favorite Superman. Yeah, um, I, I don't think that'll ever change. I agree, I agree, and we often have this debate with my uh, my occasional co-writer Freaks as well yeah. as he loves the new Superman. Uh, Calvin, what's his name? Oh no, uh, Calvin. Uh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, whatever. Henry yeah. Cavill. Uh, he he loves him more, and I was like, no man, I mean. Nah. For me, Superman was always uh, Clark Kent. Yeah. And, you know, Christopher Reeves just nailed him. I mean, it's yeah. very difficult to repeat that. Uh, uh, Henry, you know, he, he was a good Superman, like in, in the suit, playing God, basically. Yeah. But as the human Clark Kent, no. That, you know. I kind of, I agree with that. I think I, yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't put my finger on what it was that bothered me about Henry Cavill, but that actually captures it very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, 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 he can't play the everyday, you know, nerdy guy. You know, he just, no. he's, a, he's a nerd. He is, he he's is, I get it. You know, but he just, I don't know, it's all yeah. those six packs. I don't know. I don't know, I'm just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so Superman 3 is basically the movie that started the downfall in the Superman franchise yeah. at the time. I mean, 4 was out. Horrible. Yeah. Three had some good moments, mostly because of, of Richard Pryor. And, yeah. and Christopher Reeves himself. Yeah, but yeah. 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 Uh, four was really, yeah. Trading yeah. Places. Uh, amazing ah, movie yeah. with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, directed by John Landis. Twilight Zone, the movie comes out, which is an, an, an like the series itself, the movie, it's an anthology, it has it's many short stories. Yeah. Uh, directed by very popular directors at the time, John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante from Gremlins, George Miller from Mad Max. <laughs> Uh, and it's and it's known for um uh, for a tragedy actually um in uh, John Landis segment uh, some people died in a in a helicopter crash they were trying to do some helicopter shots oh yeah I've heard of this yeah yeah. Um, yeah and it kind of scarred him and it took him many years to sort of uh, get out of that trauma because he was blaming himself because well, he wanted yeah that I shot. wanted the I wanted yeah. the helicopter shot so it's my yeah. fault yeah uh, Videodrome uh, comes out another Cronenberg film and I love I love Videodrome I don't think Whoa. I've seen Videodrome Masterpiece yeah Masterpiece. Right. if the Dead Zone is a good adaptation of a Stephen King book the Videodrome is just five times better it has nothing to do with Stephen King yeah, it, could, it, was, it could have been it a Stephen King been. story okay. if you watch the movie it's not okay. it's pretty out there stuff though pretty out there it, for me it's the quite like it, yeah. it's the name Cronenberg you know, if you go into a dictionary, Videodrome should be beside it. It's oh, like wow, the, okay. the, That's the, very, it's yeah. the movie I think that defines him best on what I don't he, know, you know, I haven't seen this. You should watch it, but yeah. you know, be ready. Yeah, it's be ready, be it's ready. Fine. Be ready. Yeah. And, and Deborah Harris from Blondie is also plays in the movie. Yeah. She's she's pretty awesome. I mean, I can see her having that okay. career as an yeah. actor. The Wind and the Willows. The Wind in the Willows. Do you know the Wind in the Willows? That uh, British fairy tale with the frogs in the lake. I, no. I, I'm sure you have the image. I, I might. Let me but show I don't you. Know. Let me show it's, you. Um... The wind and the willows. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty popular children's yeah. book. It became a TV series and a movie, as we have in our list here. Okay, uh, yeah. Now that you showed me like, yeah, a I mean, picture, it's kind of, yeah. If you see the creatures, you immediately get. <laughs> What yeah, it's a, it's a pretty. I love it. I love the I love the children's book. Um, and I love the stop motion even more. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, we're getting there, Christina. We're almost near yeah, the end. Yeah. This is a long episode. And finally, on our list of important films released in 1983, it's Yenti, 
directed and starring Barbara Streisand. Oh, Yentl. Uh, I think it's Yentl. Yeah, 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 it's Yentl. Sorry. Uh, which won a Golden Globe Award for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. So, this is our movies list. This is a, yeah, this is an excellent movies list. Oh, it's the 80s. It's, it's so the, difficult, It's the 80s right? and it's quite, yeah, it's quite excellent. When I'm doing um, the preparation for the episode, this is the list that always bothers me because I don't know seriously what to put in. So I have to do a lot of calculations in my mind, like which movie have I watched more? Uh, and why does it matter to me in an emotional level? Uh, and I always end up choosing a movie that that um, reflects uh, on who I am as a person. And yeah. I've watched it more than the others in this year or whatever. And But please, you go I, first. I had a really difficult time oh. with this one. And the oh. reason is... Um, please don't tell me, uh, Mr. Mum. No, 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 no. It's a pretty good awesome movie, though. No, no. Um, <laughs> what I was thinking is that because this podcast started from the 80s, right, and went onwards, it doesn't have um, Star Wars, A New Hope in it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. has Empire Strikes Back, though. It does have Empire Strikes yes. Back. Okay, then I don't feel in the, the first, need. In the very first episode. I, I don't feel the need. Okay, that's fine then. Because I was going to say that um, I was but thinking that I need to. put another Star No, Wars because my, my way of thinking of it was like, oh, I could put we Return need, of the Jedi a... in there because they'll watch it and they'll know it's, it'll say episode um, <laughs> episode six and they'll have to go look for one, two, three, four, and five. Unfortunately, they'll see one, two, three, <laughs> but four and five. That, yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, that was that was the initial thought. The other thought was that because I was obviously thinking of putting Target in, in um, the for the series, yeah. I wanted something lighter for film, and I really <laughs> okay. like Monty Python. Um, and Monty Python, the, the meaning of life is just, yeah. Um, the, the meaning of life has some of my favorite Monty Python moments. Yeah. I don't appreciate it as a complete movie as uh, no. Life of Brian or uh, Holy, Grail, Holy Grail, like as a complete yeah. thing, because doesn't really have a, a story. No, you know, but it does uh, have those moments. Just, it has that amazing are, moments. Yeah, yeah. Which one is your favorite? So before we, we, yeah. we go there, so Monty Python's Meaning of Life, it goes in? See, I don't know, because there's <laughs> the Scarface as well. Scarface, Do you not just man. stick Scarface in the, I mean. Yeah. Um, and then there's War Games. In and Terms of Endearment. In Terms of Endearment, which was definitely a favorite. Um, yeah, that's a really tricky thing, but because I put the Taggart in there, I think I need to give the world something nicer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go for Monty Python, Meaning of Life. Is there? Is Are there, you sure though that it's nicer? Because you know they deal with some. Uh, I know uh, they do, but it's got very well. British humor in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you, Which is your favorite uh, uh, anecdote in the movie, like section? Oh. Uh, see, that's that's a very tricky question. For, uh, for me, it's the restaurant uh, part. They keep feeding the. They keep, oh. It's like one more, one, one more, more, one more. And uh, but yeah. my very very favorite moment is when when he explodes. Sorry, yeah. spoilers. And then it cuts to those uh, into the fish tank in the restaurant, and you yeah. and you see the fish talking yeah, yeah. like that's so f pretty fucking awesome surreal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's I think as a whole because it is so surreal and because it's kind of chopped up and it's got moments and then doesn't have moments. It does deal with serious stuff, but it does it in such a very British yeah. way. You can't just, um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a very British thing. It's a shame that they didn't continue making movies. Those, those I guys. know, I know. Yeah. I mean, we need another five or six or seven movies from Monty Python. But you know, yeah. the, the, individually they became so famous that everyone just went. Everyone on, just kind of went thing. on their own way. Yeah. Uh, it's only in the last, you know, decade or so that they came back together. They did Holy Grail the musical yeah. and, and some stand-up shows and all that. But you know, uh, I think you know. 
I think um, I, I think it is. I, I know it's not much lighter than anything else, um, but it is. Yeah. I think it does deal with it in a very, very um, specific, way, very British way. The same way that Pratchett sort of touches yeah. on very important things, but with humor. I, 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 I think, see yeah. the connection there. You see, you see the connection there. Yeah. Uh, so the meaning of life. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I approve this message. I also I also think it's going to be very very funny when they um, read the title and it's going to be the meaning of life. So the humans, you know, the, the, or the humans the, yes. of the time they they, they thought they found out. the meaning they of life it. and then they basically yeah. get Monty no, Python. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's dirty um, songs. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's going to be um, talking fish and, and Catholics <laughs> singing about there are hundreds of. <laughs> Generally, I'm not sending very nice messages to these people that are opening these. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, and you should. You know, and I should, should yeah, should I be mean, an honest uh, yeah. capsule. You know, uh, my choice is, is war games. Oh, good. I uh, don't feel bad about <laughs> putting war games in there. Then, <laughs> uh, war games is 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 the movie that got me into computers. Yeah, I was, oh. I was a film geek before I was into computers. Uh, and my nine or I don't know, I think I was ten years old when I watched the movie, and it was so blown, you know, uh, by by the, the, the prospects of computing, let's say. And this this was like, I, I watched it like in 91, something, and the movie came out in 1983, but it felt it felt fresh in 1991 because not yeah. much has happened since 83. Uh, just the very idea of an artificial intelligence computer system that endangers the whole planet if a game of tic-tac-toe goes wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all the things about, you know, uh, modems and dial-up networking. And oh, it was like, and there's a really awesome story behind it. And a very human, I'm not going to spoil it because there's a lot of people, I guess, that are listening haven't, to it, that yeah. haven't watched it. Because on the surface, yeah, it's about an artificial intelligence, military computer that kind of goes off the rails. And these two kids, one of them a hacker or a freaker, as he yeah. says in the movie, uh, are trying to stop it. But there's also a human story behind that that's very touching. And when they find, I won't say much, but when they find the inventor of the computer and how they convince him to help them and all that, that's it is, amazing stuff. It was really ahead of its time as it were. Like if you think about it, it came out in 1983 and that's about when the internet kind of happened, like the internet as we know it today. Um, interestingly though, like what you're saying now is you, you watched this when you were nine years old. Um, and it was so, I like, it was so wow when you watched it. Bear in mind that when I was nine years old, I watched The Matrix. Ooh, I, I, I was... Nine or ten. Yeah, we have a few different years difference between when, us. When, when I, I was 16 in, when I watched The Matrix. Matrix came out in... 99. 19, okay, I was, I was 11. Ooh, but yeah. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I wish I could... It, it was Matrix such a, it was, it's such a yeah. weird thing. Like there's, there's what, five years between, not even, there's four years of age difference yeah. between us. And yet when you were nine, you had war games. And when I was 11, I had the matrix and that's just, how it's just the striking yeah. difference between yeah. that. And in between we had hackers. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I remember. I remember Pretty hackers. interesting yeah. relic of his time. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, war games was also the introduction of Matthew Broderick to me. Um, and, uh, his earlier years, his earlier years. And I was, you know, we didn't get a lot of nerdy characters in no. movies yeah. at the time. The, the nerds were usually the best friends of the main character. They, they, they or the guys the per- that were picked on. The picked on. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and, you know, we didn't have a lot of te- tech nerdy 
yeah gays in that kind of way movies and it was striking to me how the character was perceived in the movie and uh you know just because of war gaming of war games i got into computers i i think i i did build my first computer i built i mean out of parts yeah obviously i'm not <laughs> i'm not that nerdy <laughs> uh when i was 12 just because i was inspired uh that by is war quite, games. that's quite amazing yeah, yeah. And, and for some time for some time I thought that my career would be in computers. Like I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but when I got into computers, I kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe you and should have combined like, them. I mean, there's Unreal Engine oh, now. You could uh, do that's that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I think I'm, I'm too old to start learning uh, how to do You're CGI. You're never too old. You know? I have friends who can do that. Yes, you, you do <laughs> so have friends I, who can do that. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, uh, So yeah, it was striking. War games were striking. Uh, I loved the theme. It was something very new at the time, even if it was like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old movie. Uh, it's pretty relevant today. I think it's even more relevant today than it was in 1983. I mean, how uh, yeah. an uncontrolled computerized network system can go off the rails. I mean, we've seen what happened with uh, Cambridge Analytica yeah. and all that stuff. To be fair, like um, with me, with Monty Python, the thing is I hadn't watched them before I went to Scotland. I hadn't watched any Monty Python before I'd gone to Scotland to study. And then everyone around me just kind of went, you need to watch Monty Python. And um, it kind of hit me at, at that weird age, like you're 17, you're 18. I was 17 when I left. So like 17, 18, 19, as they showed them to me. And like every, you, you kind of watched it. And at first it was a bit jarring because they're old movies and they're not, like the way they're filmed is not always, ah, but then. Especially Holy Grail, which is very especially, low budget. Yeah, especially Holy Grail. <laughs> and I think I started with Holy Grail, to be honest. Good I think, start. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one was Holy Grail. Um, but it was just, it, it kind of built up to this thing where you just, um, everybody loved it around me and then they introduced me to it and I loved it immediately. And it wasn't because they loved it, it's because they were absolutely right. They may be old films, like it was 2005 when I went to uni. Um, A 30 year old film. Yeah. So it was like, um, they may be old, but they are so good. And it just, it feels like no matter how much time passes, you can just sit down and watch a Monty Python film. And the same with war games. They, they never yeah. get old. You know? They never get old. They never get... Um, They're always relevant. Yeah. <laughs> things like the life of Brian as well. It's just, yeah. That would be relevant in 2000 years. Yeah. There would still be people, you know, with, you know, outside Cause, of yeah, cinemas. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's satanic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. So, Life of Brian and War Games. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's two pretty good movies uh, from... Two very different perspectives of cinema. The one, Definitely. Uh, one, uh, uh, a comedy and the other, um, uh, a thriller. I'm wondering if the aliens find out the Scarface had come out in 1983 and we didn't put it in they're, there. Or yeah, they're going to be pissed off. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, Scarface was close. I almost put Scarface, but then I kind of internalized and thought, okay, Scarface is very popular for Al Pacino's performance. Like, if you strip down the movie. Yeah. That's what it is. And I love Brian De Palma, but it's not one of his best movies. Carrie is his best movie, the original Carrie. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the original, original Carrie. So, you know, uh, what's more balanced? What what has more ingredients that I can, you know, uh, pack them? Uh, um, and, you know, War Games was, you know, I've seen it so many times. It was one of the first movies I bought in on VHS as well, like an original VHS, not Ooh. like a copy or anything. Ooh, that's yeah. very specific. Yeah, yeah. Well, 10 pounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, three months worth of an allowance, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah true, true. So, Christina, uh, thank you very much for being my co-host today. Some awesome choices. I gotta give it to you, the Terry. Uh, the Discord thing was took me uh, by surprise. Um, and uh, kudos um, to you. 
before we close the show today, anything uh, else you want to tell our audience? Uh, what are we expecting from you? Is there anything uh, in the making? Uh, a movie or something like that? Uh... You can expect many, many things that are kind of almost happening. And if they happen, I will try and let everyone know. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This was Net Capsule Year 1983. Thank you for listening. This has been a long show tonight, today. I promise in the next shows I'm going to try and minimize, uh, you know, the information uh, and go straight to the point. But thanks for supporting us and see you in the year 1984. Do you agree with our picks or do you think your own choices deserve the spot in our pop culture time capsule? Let us know via email at storyteller at splashscreen.online and we may share your choices with our listeners in the next episode. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV with your host Andreas Splash Griagu, co-produced by Gigodobos Collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. Thank you for listening. <laughs>